to Totalus Rankium. This week, Jimmy Connor Part 2. And welcome to American Presidents Totalis Rankium. I am Jamie. And I am Rob, ranking all of the presidents from Washington to Biden. And this is episode 39.2. It is the second and final part of Jimothy Carter. Oh, Jimothy. Uh, yeah, you were fairly impressed with him last time, if he, I remember correctly. He just seemed like a nice guy. Hardly any corruption. Yeah, I mean, what more can you want? But nice guys finished last, as Green Day sang about. And mm. might have also been the same before then. Uh, I, so... I do know one fact about him, though. Oh, go on, then. Go on. But it might spoil the episode if people don't know, but I'm pretty sure everybody does know. He's still alive. He no. is still alive, by the way. I yeah, literally checked before yeah. recording. <laughs> <laughs> no no breaking news on BBC. <laughs> nope. Um, he, 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 I know, I do know he's a one-term president. Oh, Jamie. I do know that. I've always, I've always known that, though. You've always known it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is true. Uh, he is a one-term president. But why, Jamie? Why? I, d- I don't know. Well, we'll find out. Is it okay, right. Reagan? Is he next? Oh, yes, he is. Uh, maybe it's to do with Reagan. Maybe it's to do with the incident. The incident? <gasps> the incident. Incident. Maybe. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. 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 You're going to have to listen, aren't you, dear yeah. listener? Okay, uh, right, go on then. Kick us off. Let's start. You know that scene in Jurassic Park? Okay. Where, <laughs> where um, the T-Rex, like, crashes out through the gates and stomping and then the the, gut, the wimpy lawyer guy who runs out the car and hides he's in the on toilet. the toilet yeah, yeah. And, it, yeah. and he knocks malcolm into the toilet and it all falls down yeah, and yeah, yeah. Just I'm, eats I'm with him. you just eats him like that okay all that but replace the lawyer with the <laughs> peanut from last week <laughs> so the t-rex is still there yeah yeah the whole thing is exactly the same it's just the peanut on the toilet instead of jimmy carter fit that in rob you see, I had something, Jamie. I had something really quite clear. Uh, and well, I can change I, I'll it. I'll be honest. <laughs> oh, no, because that, that ruins it. Okay, how can I. Okay, start close up on a pair of eyes. And you can tell this is a nervous pair of eyes. They're shifting around, uh, they're sweat beading. Uh, you really zoomed in, so you can't see much, but you can hear the thud, thud noise, uh, which, as you have already alluded to, we know what that is. That's the giant peanut. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Then suddenly zoom out and the eyes you were looking at, it's just this guy in a suit and he's really nervous looking and he's looking around and all he can see is thud and he's running through a dense jungle and he's running and he's looking around thud, thud and he doesn't know why he's going. He's, he's, oh, he's panicking, he's sweating and thud, thud yeah. and then he, he opens his thermos of coffee and look, just the little wrinkle, wrinkler, wrinkler? That's a word, ripples. Yeah. Um, and yeah, yeah, more thud, thud and then he suddenly breaks into a clearing and there in front of him is a destroyed... A uh, very brightly coloured car upside down, and oh. there is a giant peanut eating a lawyer. Yeah? yeah. And then suddenly swing back in to face the lawyer, and you see the eyes again, and you just hear him think, This is the second worst day of my life. And then fade, cross fade to another pair of eyes. It's the same pair of eyes, but significantly younger. <laughs> and uh, they're looking sweaty and they're looking nervous. And uh, you zoom out again, you realise it's the same guy, but significantly younger, and he's looking nervous. And why is he looking nervous? He's just at a desk in an office, Jamie, just doing some numbers. Uh, There's a typewriter, and there is a 70s 
hair. Ooh. So you can tell it's the 70s. Ooh. Yeah. Like big moustache uh, kind of thing. Big moustache, that side parting quiff thing that they Ooh. had in the 70s, sort of white shirts that aren't quite white. Uh, his, <laughs> his tie is his, his tie is like half-mast. Do they call it half-mast? Probably. Yeah. Is it like uh, one of those brown ties with like red and yellow yes, checks on yeah. it kind of thing? And uh, he's he's typing away on his typewriter and he's, he's shredding documents and he's doing all sorts. He's looking very panicked in this office and then all of a sudden the window next to him explodes and the door gets kicked in. And what's this, Jamie? Who is storming his office? Is it a peanut? No, Jamie. Is it the T-Rex? <laughs> no, That'd be worse than a peanut. It's, oh. it's, it's students, Jamie. Oh, oh students that's disgusting. Oh. With weapons. Bloody student. Yeah. Is this like a prank and then, really out of control? <laughs> well, we're, we're, we're come to it. Uh, and the guy puts his hands up and then the voiceover says, this is the worst day of my life. And then <laughs> Jimmy Carter comes up on the screen, part two. Nice. Nicely woven in. Very active life, that guy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, I like it. There you go. There you go. Uh, so just know that scene uh, minus minus the peanut and the the, the Jurassic Park scene uh, that that will be happening at some point. Ooh, exciting! I like angry. Yes. Oh, I don't like angry students. I don't like students. They're so <laughs> does, loud. Jamie. They're so loud. They're so loud. Uh, I mean, we were students and we were terrible. Yeah, but so... I hated. We hated students even then. Oh, we really did. Uh, Bloody the students. self-loathing was was real. It was intense. We yeah, to, we had to wade through it. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, right. <laughs> Let's, let's stop talking about self-loathing and let's go on to Jimmy Carter, shall we? Okay, so we left Jimmy Carter winning the election. Uh, let's see how he does. So it's December of 1976 and Carter starts thinking about the nitty-gritty details on how he's going to be in charge. There are a few things that he thought the country needed to deal with, but before that, he wanted to do something about the fact that no one trusts the government anymore. Yeah. The public have been lied to repeatedly about Vietnam, Watergate, yeah. various coups across the world that the CIA have been involved in. I mean, the, the public had got to the point where they just assumed that anything that came out mm. of Washington was just lies and corruption. Don't forget the Roswell, New Mexico, alien crash landing as well. Yes, yes, exactly. All of that's going <laughs> Weather on. Weather balloon, so. yeah, right, yeah, right. <laughs> so, yeah, everyone just, they don't trust the government. And Carter wants to change this. He is going to be accountable, damn it, and transparent. No, not even Carter no, could do that. No, I mean, accountable is possibly, theoretically possible, but transparent? <laughs> is, has he got a mad scientist in his basement? Say, is he a giant jellyfish? Yeah, exactly. Uh, but we'll see. Maybe he's going to do it. Uh, because he is going to restructure the federal government to make it less bloated, more efficient, and less corrupt. So, he goes to the chairman of the House Committee on Government Operations. An exciting title. This nice. is before he's officially president, by the way. He's, uh, he's warming up. Yeah. Ford's still in there, so he's just trying to organise himself. And he goes to the chairman of the House Committee on Government Operations, and he let the Texan congressman, a man named Jack Brooks, know what to expect from his administration. Essentially, I'm going to come in, we're going to clean slate this. Yeah. It's, it's going to be good. Uh, the public trust is the most important. Uh, Carter was very quickly introduced to the reality of Washington and Congress and the Democratic Party at the time. Remember, Carter's a bit of an outsider. Yeah. 
he's not gone through Washington. He's just been the governor uh, in, in Georgia, and then suddenly he's here. So, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a wake-up call for him. So let's go through this, shall we? Uh, let's start with the Democratic Party. Uh, they were a split bunch. That's how you describe them. Yeah, uh, they were made up of conservatives and liberals at this point uh, in areas of social and economic spheres. Uh, The change in the voting process that I mentioned last time uh, in the party meant that the old party bosses, the old boys club system, was falling apart. And the power vacuum in the party had not actually, had not quite been filled yet. So it's this party that is morphing. Uh, And when Carter sat down with Mr. Brooks to talk about how he's going to change things up, uh, well, Jack Brooks replied, well, uh, getting the... the Democrats to agree with you, Mr. President, right now would be a bit like herding cats. Ew. You can't do they that. Never, you can't do that. I mean, you can, but you look like a fool. So <laughs> don't don't even bother trying. Yeah, no, no one's agreeing with each other. So don't bother. So that was the Democratic Party. You're going to struggle with them. Uh, as for wider Congress, well, we're not about to give the executive branch any more power than it has, says Brooks. Yeah. He also pointed out that even even Johnson, widely seen, as we saw, as a wizard in getting things through Congress, uh, he'd only ever got about a third of the things he asked for. So stop demanding everything, Carter. And what's this? Uh, you also don't seem to know how Washington, D.C. works as a whole, because you are an outsider here. You don't know how things work. To be honest, sir, you're a little bit naive if you think coming to me and talking about this was going to achieve anything. Well, that's, that's a burn. That's a burn and a yeah, half. Yeah, it, it's not good. Just to remind you, this is a member of uh, Carter's own party here. Mm. Democrats yeah. aren't in a good place, are they, at the moment? They, they are not in a good place. Carter was fuming. Uh, and uh, <laughs> the meeting broke off with both men not feeling very happy. Uh, next up, he went to go and meet the Speaker of the House and the Majority Leader, uh, both of them Democrats at the time. And he told them that if his plans for reorganisation were stalled, he would use every ounce of his power to just move the bills around them. So if, if you don't work with me here, Congress, the White House will just push stuff through. Yeah, the House Speaker replied, and I quote, that would be the worst thing you can do, particularly with a fellow like Jack Brooks. Jack doesn't get mad, he gets even. You don't know your throat is cut until you try to turn your head. That's... That's brilliant. Yeah, I, I just, I mean, I don't want to be the person who someone says that about me. No. Apart from the fact that it's so damn cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I kind of do. You can I, I don't want to go around, like, metaphorically oh. cutting people's throats, but it's just such a cool thing to be said about you, isn't it? And you can imagine the guy saying it's like a rainy street, big hat on, cigarette in the, underneath the street light. Yeah. You won't even know your throat's cut till you turn your head. And then that very guy who just said that in the cool voice turns to his side, and then his head just falls off. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Messy. (laughs) Very messy. So anyway, this was Carter's uh, interaction with members of his own party. Yeah, positive. Yes, not going great. Uh, He's not even been inaugurated yet, (laughs) and he's already deep in a feud with his own party in Congress, but Carter doesn't care. He was, and he would remain, a politician not defined by party, damn it. He had not needed the party to become president. He wasn't about to bow down to them now. He'd never used party bosses. He was his own man. So, he's going to carry on regardless. He was inaugurated, uh, as presidents usually are. 
Uh, and in part to show Congress that he means business, damn it, the very next day he signed an executive order pardoning all draft evaders. Ooh. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well, many were unhappy with this. Yeah. You, you seem fairly happy with it, but lots of people weren't. Ah, uh, yeah, I guess so. But I, I'm, I'm a natural coward, so I would avoid the draft <laughs> and then be arrested. So for me, it'd be wonderful. Well, Carter saw it as closing the lid on the whole unfortunate Vietnam business, and a lot of people agreed with him. It's yeah. like, seriously, are we going to like spend time and effort tracking people down uh, who evaded the war? Yeah. Uh, it's, no, we've got better things to do than yeah. this, surely. But many people were very unhappy. Members of the public or politicians? Mixture of both. Certainly s- several politicians were saying things like, yes, okay, maybe we should be looking towards pardons, but not just a blanket one. Uh, we should be treating this with a bit more nuance than just go, right, everyone's pardoned. But Carter wanted a clean slate, so yeah. that's what he went for. We're not judging yet, but I can personally see the benefits of a clean slate there. Yeah, I think it just gets it all out of the way. But yeah, just so you know. A lot of people not happy. Anyway, uh, once settled in, Carter changed a few of the rules in the White House. Uh, the Marines, he said, were going to bloody well stop playing hail to the chief every time he entered a room. Every time he entered a room? Every time he entered a room. So if he went to the bathroom... Get out! Get yeah. out! Get out! The, the guy with the tuba just timed it with the plops. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> For dignity's sake. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, no, so put what, a stop what if to we, that. Okay, so what if, right, he was in the Oval Office, he walks in the first thing in the morning, and he's like, oh, I need to go out and I forgot to grab something. And comes, would they have to replay it again straight away? Is that sort of how it works? I can only assume so, yeah. And corridors? every time he entered a room, I was going to say corridors, because as he... Like, if you keep stepping in and out of one door, would they have to keep starting again every time he did it? Because that's the, 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 uh, yeah, didn't move that time. Yeah, he could have had fun with that. Yeah. Um, But no, he didn't. Yeah. I'm guessing what he did is he went into the Oval Office just running full pout as a band chased after him (laughs) playing it. (laughs) He just slams the door and shouts, no more. And then this cunt slams the people hitting against the door afterwards. Yeah. And he sits down at the desk. Opens opens a little drawer. And who's in there? Peter? Oh, it's Lionel. Oh, Lionel's still there. Yeah, Lionel's in the hey! Oval Office. Yeah. yeah, good old Lionel. So he talks to Lionel, and Lionel suggests maybe you could just, just tell them to quit it. With his eyes, of course. That's how Lionel yeah. communicates. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> sorry, I felt like we got somewhat sidetracked. <laughs> oh. He stopped the Marines from playing Hail to the Chief every time he entered the room, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, the presidential yacht was also sold. No need for that anymore. There's an extravagance he doesn't need. Uh, and generally, he got to know the staff uh, one time to uh, the dismay of certain members in the in the White House. Uh, he went and ate lunch in the White House mess hall and just got a cheeseburger with everyone else. See, I know that sounds like a really lovely thing and he's a man of the people, but you just know the staff probably hated that. Oh, God, yeah, yeah. You're there having your lunch and then suddenly your the boss, boss comes yeah. along. Oh, just no. No, I've got to be professional. It's my only break. Yeah. And I, ha- I had a really good joke lined up that cannot be repeated <laughs> in front of Carter. Yeah. Oh, 
Oh, never mind. <laughs> uh, apparently, a, 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 I've heard like, Obama used to do that every now and again as well. Oh, well, we'll get to Obama. We will. Mm. And we'll see. You're absolutely right. Some enjoyed this more down-to-earth approach. Some disliked what they saw as the erosion of the office. It's like, no, you're not here to be yeah. friends. You're here to be leader of the free world, damn it. And the interesting uh, thing about those arguments, they're both kind of valid. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah there's so, no definite right or wrong no. answer to that. So, yeah. Still, all of this is fairly small fry, isn't it? It's fairly unimportant uh, because there's a lot going on in the world and Carter realises he needs to start organising stuff. So, several things facing the country that Carter wants to sort out. To begin with, there is Russia. There is. It was invented 12 years prior mm-hmm. by George Russia. And things got tense quickly. Yeah. Now, as, as covered, the whole Nixon administration had made a fair bit of progress with Russia and... The mood was that the height of the Cold War was perhaps all over. Uh, the mm. Cuban Missile Crisis was definitely starting to see us. Uh, something in the past. We're no longer there anymore. Yeah, that was, but, that was years ago. <laughs> but it doesn't mean it's all over. This is still tense. We're still, still in the Cold War here. Uh, but we should continue disarming our nuclear weapons in line with each other. So let's continue those discussions. That's that's one thing that Carter needs to do. Uh, second, the economy. Oh, dear. Oh, the economy's <laughs> not good. Not good at all. Uh, this had helped Carter become president. The economy was was really quite bad, and uh, people wanted someone to come and fix it. Yeah. Uh, so they got rid of Ford. They brought in Carter. What are you going to do, they all said in unison at his inauguration. And Carter went, ha-ha. <laughs> uh, Just you wait and see. Yes. I've, I've got a plan. Yeah. I've got a plan. Yeah. Um, anyway. it's, in this, it's in this big folder here. Look, this plan. It's in. It's in this folder. That's where all the loose blank sheets just yeah. slip out the side, and he hurriedly picks them all up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, he's got that to do. Uh, third, uh, as already mentioned, reorganizing the government. Carter was serious about this. He's not. He's going to make it more accountable, streamlined, and transparent. So that's number three on the list. Uh, next up, the energy crisis. This is a biggie. There's an energy crisis going on at yeah. this time. Yes. Uh, for many complex reasons, the United States uh, were really struggling with energy, not just the United States, entire world, especially the Western world, uh, and uh, this needed to be fixed. But isn't like the USA sit- sitting on like a giant oil well? Uh, well, yeah, but it's not all being accessed, and they're not sitting on enough uh, to sustain them, and oh. they're in contracts with stuff, and the Middle East is just there, and why not? Use that. That's how we're, where we've been getting all our oil from before. Mm. So, but as we will go into, little little bit of problem going on over there. Yeah. Uh, mm. So, yeah, there's an energy crisis that needs to be fixed. I'll go in more detail about that in a bit. Uh, finally, however, this one was important to Carter, uh, but many didn't see it as important at the time. Uh, this is America's standing in the world. Carter was very aware that the world was starting to see the United States as a bullying superpower. What? what? No. No. <laughs> gone no gone were the early that. days of the plucky underdog <clears throat> overthrowing the shackles yeah. of the bullying superpower that was Britain. And uh, gone is the isolationist country that is economically doing very well for itself, but keeping itself to itself. Yeah. No, now we're, we're getting into an international America who are going around the world and 
helping. Helping, helping people. Helping. 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 Definitely helping. Uh, yes. And uh, Carter, <laughs> Carter kind of realised that there were a lot of people around the world who were starting to get a little bit frustrated with the United States throwing their weight around and things like stealth coups and economic sanctions and uh. actual invasions. Uh, yeah, Carter wanted to do something to make America seem like they're the, the good guys in this Cold War. Yeah. So let, let's work on that, shall we? So when he was talking about this, he, he decided that the way into making America just clean up their act a little bit was to focus on human rights. It was going to be a big issue for him. Yeah, well, yeah. That's, a, that's a fair yeah. place to start. Yeah, exactly. It's hard to disagree with human rights. So. Yeah, well, yeah, unless um, you're, you know... Some people... Bizarrely do, but yes, uh, human rights, uh, this mm. is going to be a big issue. My administration is going to be really uh, in- encouraging human rights. To begin with, uh, he carried on with what he'd already started before the inauguration, and that is cleaning up government. So that's where he's going to start. Realising that the Democratic power base in Congress were not going to get behind him, those meetings hadn't gone well, mm. Carter reached out to the Republicans. <gasps> he offered, his, yeah. offered a hand. Mm-hmm. Take my hand. Now, the Republicans were far more unified than the Democrats at the time, but reducing the size of government is meant to be one of the core beliefs of the GOP. Yeah, it's conservatism. Yeah, and there's Carter saying, let's reduce the size of government. So a lot yeah, of the Republicans... Oh, hey, how you doing? <laughs> yeah, a lot of Republicans <laughs> went, no, what a terrible democratic guy... Uh, yeah, no, I do actually agree with that. Oh, damn it. Okay, <laughs> I suppose we get on board. Uh, Carter used this support from the Republicans to put pressure on the Democrats, who <laughs> His then own folded. Party. Yeah, <laughs> they folded. They didn't want to look like they were supporting a bloated, corrupt Congress, which the president of their own party opposed. Mm. So uh, Carter got his bill through. Uh, he right. went behind his own party, reached across the, the aisle, and, uh, yeah, got something through. As you can imagine, this was seen as a uh, politically savvy move by some and mm. a betrayal of the party by others. Of course. But that's yeah. how politics has to work. You have well, to negotiate. You, ha- you should work that way. Yes, so you could definitely argue that. Uh, now, with this done, Carter decides, okay, that's that's that done. We've made some movement on making the government more transparent. I'm not going to go into the details of all the bills on that, by the way. I started looking, and it's quite tedious. <gasps> Just know, some stuff is going through that makes the government more transparent. Did they turn the White House into glass? Yes, that's awesome. what they did. Yes, and instead of writing on paper, they wrote on acetate. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Did we really do? Good. Did we kind of say that earlier about another president made a glass White House? Oh no, you're. Oh, off was the top it? of my head, I honestly can't tell you which president it was, but someone installed lots of glass panels. Yes. In the White House. So yeah. maybe he took the paneling off the walls and there's the glass layers in between. It's like this is this is it. Yes. There we go. That's what he did. Excellent. Okay. It's good to reuse a joke. Great. <laughs> um, okay, so Carter's going to go on to the next thing. This is the energy crisis, Jamie. Let's find out what this is about. So, in 1973, OPEC, that's right, the Organization of Petroleum Exporting Countries, that's what I was thinking, yeah. had imposed an oil embargo on all the countries that had supported Israel in the Arab-Israeli war. 
On OPEC, an American company? No. Ah. It's an organisation made up of the petroleum-exporting countries in the Middle East. Now, obviously, this is complex, as all politics are in the Middle East. <laughs> uh, so I, I'm really... <laughs> I did that thing like, where do I start here? And I found that I'd got back to the British Empire. Uh, (laughs) No, no, hang on. Right, I don't need to go that far back. (laughs) So all you need to know for now is that various oil-producing countries in the Middle East decided to stop selling oil to Western countries because they were angry about the Arab-Israeli war that had taken place. And this is happening in 1973. Got it. Now, the embargo meant a sharp rise in the price of oil. For listeners in the UK, this was the main reason for the three-day working week in the 70s. Yes. Yeah, this is why it happens. My parents uh, still talk about that and still won't vote Labour for it. Really? Interesting, because uh, I, I look at it and just go, three-day working week? Yeah, bloody oh, brilliant. Amazing. Why can't we go back to that? Tweet um, pay slip and go, oh. No, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so the UK is uh, is struggling. It also leads to a lot of coal mining disputes that mm. then leads to unions organising, which leads to Thatcher and the, the mining yeah. strikes. And yeah, yeah all of uh, the history of Britain in the late 70s, 80s is all tied to this. That's uh, amazing. Yeah, uh, in Europe, the rest of Europe, uh, many countries did things like ban Sunday driving to save petrol. Yeah. Yeah. In the United States, however, because that's what we should be focusing on, Nixon and Ford had attempted to solve the problem uh, by doing things like a voluntary rationing system on petrol. Voluntary. Yeah, you can imagine how well that worked. Excellent. Uh, The speed limit was set to 55 miles per hour to save petrol. Okay. Which uh, I can only assume is why the speed limit in the United States to this day is lower than it is in Europe. Yeah, Uh, because you see signs of 55, don't you? Yeah, yeah. It's only just ah. occurred to me. For some reason, it, when I was writing my notes, it didn't. And I'm just reading it now. It's like, oh, hang on. That's still there, isn't it? Yeah. 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 I mean, so they that's can why... go fast, I'm guessing. But why uh, that's I a don't... certain unit, I'm guessing, is yeah, this is really interesting. Because it's sort of like stuff that I could not remember because I wasn't alive in the 70s. But sort of oh, like... we're getting very modern, James. Yeah. It's starting to impact on our lives. These are things people yeah. talk about. Yes, uh, it's crazy. So, yeah, uh, Ford and Nixon's approaches had done very little. Petrol is still very expensive in America. Now, Carter was fully briefed on all of this, uh, and the problems were clear. They simply did not have enough oil in the country. You said earlier they're sitting on a pile of oil. Well, they've not got it out the ground, and they don't have enough oil. Well, just Uh, get it out of the ground, then. Just get uh, get your straws. Just again. Oil. (laughs) Easy. Come on. Easy, easy peasy. Uh, No, it's slightly more complex than that. There's like whole industries involved and stuff. You can't just turn on the tap. And also it's it's complicated for economic reasons. They can't just lower prices on oil, like force the oil industries to lower prices. Because if they did that, then everyone would start buying oil again. And they don't have enough. Oh, so they're they're controlling the market. Yeah, they would run out. If they lower the prices, they run out of oil, and then the country grinds to a halt and anarchy. So actually, back to Russia. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's not good that it's high, but we need to kind of keep it high. That's yeah. not great, is it? Uh, not only that, but political pressure from Democrats from oil-producing states would immediately hold up any attempt to put in place further regulations to try and get a handle on things. So, in other words, the oil company 
lobbyists have their fingers in pies and politicians were unwilling to to make moves. So, yeah, it's tricky, this. Uh, Carter decides to model himself on FDR, however. What he's going to do is he's going to have a fireside chat on TV, talk to the country, and let everyone know what's what. It worked well for Roosevelt. It's going to work for him, damn it. Hmm. So, in the speech, he told the country, everyone is facing a challenge. Times are tough. Yeah. We are all going to suffer. Huzzah! (laughs) Then he turns over his paper. (laughs) Not for long. Uh, We will get through this. Oh, I Uh, love that Hugh Laurie moment. It's great. (laughs) (laughs) It's absolutely fine. We, We are going to suffer, but not for long. We are going to get through this. He attempts to draw parallels to the sacrifices people made in war, because this was, and I quote, the moral equivalent of war. Duh. Which is something that sounds dramatic and one of those things where you stop and think about it and you go that means nothing no (laughs) what do you mean it's the moral equivalent of war we are Um, at war with japanese knotweed (laughs) yeah it's just it's just not a thing Uh, but it sounded dramatic yeah instead of uniting to destroy something like in actual war however Mm. says carter what this country will be doing in our moral war is uniting to build something which is quite nice. Yeah. So again, yeah, that, still not a war. It's not a war, no, but people like the word war because it unifies <laughs> people. So yeah. they, that's what they were going for. I will quote him here. The energy crisis has not overwhelmed us, but it will if we do not act quickly. So stern warnings from the new president here. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're up that certain creek and we can't even use the methane gases that it's producing. <laughs> So, and there tighten is, your belts. There is nay a paddle in sight. Yeah. Yeah, tighten your belts. There's no easy fix for this. I'm just telling you now. If you're expecting a magic bullet, it's not going to happen. Uh, which is true. Uh, but you can imagine how well that went down with the public. Yeah. They went, what do you mean no magic bullet? I want a magic bullet, damn it. Yeah. Uh, in the meantime, Carter put forth the National Energy Plan. This was a complex plan with over a hundred provisions in it, so I'm not going into detail, but to sum it up, it introduced regulations, energy efficiency programs, tax incentives, (laughs) alternate fuel programs. Uh, It generally did stuff to, to work in the area of energy. Do you think it had like those adverts that kind of go, was it an infomercial? Yeah, yeah, yeah. These are ways to save power. You know when you walk into a room and there's that bright light in your face? Press the switch. The light goes off and so do your bills. I can only assume that's exactly... Uh, uh, yeah. I think so, yeah. I think so. Um, yeah, I mean, the thing is, this National Energy Plan was a comprehensive plan, and it was mm. a good one. It, it did a lot, but none of it was a short-term fix. All of this is something to help it preventing from happening again. Yeah, it's just like... A bit like a plaster on your arm that's been kind of cut off. No, no, more like the opposite. This oh. is you've got a you get a new arm. You've you've got a big <laughs> gash on your arm because you fell off your motorcycle. Mm. Well, let's instead give you a more sensible and safe form of transport, so you're not going to fall off your motorcycle in future. But no, it's not going to fix the gash on your arm. No, it's like here's that's a... happened. Okay. 
yeah, yeah, we're in trouble. We're in an energy crisis. Mm. We can't fix it magically. We've got to p- push through. But here's how we can stop it from happening again. This is thinking about the future long-term fixes okay. rather than short-term gain. Here's the it's... Zorb ball instead of the motorbike kind of thing. <laughs> exactly. It's not, it's not normal politics. Usually politicians oh. want quick fixes. Yeah, because it's election time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But no, this actually is... Uh, yeah, this seems pretty good. Why can't people uh, do that be- more often? <laughs> well, for, for reasons we will see, uh, because it's so complex, it was obvious that this is going to be held up in Congress for months. So, yeah, no short-term fix in it, and even then it's not coming through anytime soon. Meanwhile, people could not drive their cars. They could not heat their homes. They are struggling. Uh, still, Carter's done what he feels like he can, so he decides to move on. Human rights. It's time to use the power of the United States for good, damn it. Yes. I'll quote Carter here. Our country has been strongest and most effective when the morality and commitment to freedom and democracy have been the most clearly emphasised in our foreign policy. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds nice, doesn't it? It does. It's the kind of thing that pretty much any president would say, and all presidents do say, but... Yeah, it's a very copy-and-paste statement, yeah. <laughs> yes, but here's the difference. Carter actually did something. No. Uh, he set up the Bureau of Human Rights and Humanitarian Affairs, and he put a woman called Patricia Derian, a civil rights activist, in charge. So he's getting some decent people in charge of a human rights branch of government. Also, massive shout out to the fact it's the 1970s and there's mm-hmm. a woman in control of something that's massive. Yeah, yeah. That, that's, there you go. That stands out as a thing. Yeah, it does stand out as a thing. Uh, so this is, yeah, so something's actually happening here. Yeah. It was hoped by Carter that this might shake up international policy a bit, showing the world that the United States were the benevolent superpower. <laughs> the, super, the superpower you could go and have a beer with, unlike those damn Ruskies. Mm. Uh, so, yeah. I'm, the, I'm the Superman, Russia is the the Flash. The Flash, okay. No one yeah. likes the Flash. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, the United States, yeah? All good? Thumbs up? Yeah. Sparkly tooth? Yeah. Uh, it was hoped that this would unite the fractured Democratic Party as well. I mean, whether the member was a dove or a hawk, a conservative or a liberal, I mean, it's very hard not to be for human rights. I mean, come on. We all want human rights, surely, said Carter. <laughs> 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 Stony silence from the crowd. Mm. <laughs> Human rights. But who for? Humans. Humans. The clue is in the name. <laughs> yeah, uh, but starting a new bureau uh, was hardly earth shattering. I mean, yes, it is something, uh, but let's face it, it's not actually going to change the world, is it? He needs something better than that. So he wants the United States to be recognised as a force for good in the world. What is the What's what's the gem in international relations? What is the pinnacle? What would anyone hope for? Trade? No, no, no. Thinking thinking of uh, doing good things. Think of the concept of peace. Oh, money. Money is the root of peace. Uh, no. <laughs> no. No, where would you want peace, Jamie? Peace in the East? Peace in the Middle East, Jamie. Yeah, that's, yes. That's, yeah. Yes. If America can sort out the Middle East and bring peace, then the world will see America as a force for good. Oh, that's good, because that explains why the Middle East currently is so, you know, basically a... Peaceful. Peaceful, yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. senior Democrats warned Carter away from this. <laughs> no! No, for the love of everything that's happening now! Good God, Carter, it's a minefield. Stay away, stay away. Uh, no. Carter was determined. He was going to do this. Uh, he was going to make his mark on the world. Uh, so, he started by meeting with the Prime Minister of Israel. And uh, it didn't go well. No. No, the two men didn't get on particularly well. Uh, Carter came away saying that uh, Rebin was, uh, and I quote, very timid, very stubborn, and somewhat ill at ease. Rebin equally did not get a good impression of Carter and left the White House feeling like Israel was not a priority for Carter. So, does not start well. But Carter's not about to give up. No, he didn't grow two million peanuts by giving up, damn it. No. No, he's, uh, he's going to meet more people. So he starts meeting leaders from various Middle Eastern countries just to get a feel for, for what they were like, who he could deal with. So that's going on. Meanwhile, the energy plan is uh, being battered around Congress. Remember I said it's a very complex plan? Yep. So it's uh, still going around con- Congress. It's so complex, it was subject to the control of five committees and countless subcommittees. Any one of them could put a torpedo into the works, as you can imagine. This is not good. It looked like it was just going to be pulled apart. However, the Speaker of the House, a man named O'Neill, fearing accusations of a weak and divided party, because they were a weak and divided party at the time, (laughs) uh, worked hard to get the votes for the bill. And in April, it passes the House largely intact. Great. It's a win. It just needs... just needs to get through the Senate now, and uh, it's a big, big win for Carter. Awesome. Uh, yeah. So Carter puts a tick in the wing column there, and he carries on bringing peace to the Middle East. <laughs> uh, but it's stalled, Jamie. Look at it on the road there. Oh. Just put putting along and then just thud. It's, it's just not going anywhere. Uh, Carter becomes very despondent that all of the leaders he's talking to don't seem very interested in peace whatsoever. Uh, so Carter, looking for a win internationally, uh, turns his attention to Panama. Oh. Yeah. That of canal fame. Of canal fame. If the world was going to see that the United States was a force for good, then maybe, just maybe, we should do something like give a stolen canal back, he thinks. Yeah. Yeah. So if you remember, uh, hugely simplifying this, uh, but as we have covered, the United States had effectively stolen the Panama Canal by instigating Panama to declare independence from Colombia and then supporting them militarily in return for the land for the canal. All very underhand, all a little bit dodgy. Carter saw writing this wrong as an opportunity. Now, there were worries that South America were, were going to turn to the Soviets because they'd had enough of being kicked around economically and diplomatically by the United States. Yeah. So there was real worry in the United States that, have we, have we annoyed South America so much that uh, they're all just going to turn red? No, of course, of course not. No, no, you're not no, right. No. Yeah. I mean, it'd been a worry for a long time that South and Central America were going to follow Cuba. Um, so... At this time, there was instability in Panama, and there were further worries. If Panama goes to the Soviets, the United States would lose the canal entirely. So, Carter decides, right, we're going to give the canal back. It's going to ease tensions to the country, and the United States would actually lose very little in real terms because we still economically dominate the canal. So, big show, we look good, we don't actually lose much. Plus, it's the right thing to do. Yeah, and and that... Yeah, 
It's the kind of thing a new caring United States would do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. It met for a lot of pushback in Washington. I will quote uh, one White House staffer here. The only people who give a damn are the ones who oppose it. Which, uh, <laughs> is a shame. Uh, yeah. Yeah, the feeling with many around Carter was that he that the president was going to gain very little from this and he was just going to make a lot of people angry. And people were angry. It was seen by many as another stepping stone on the decline of the country. This was a retreat. We're giving land away. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you look at it in that way, I guess. Yeah, yeah, you, you can see why people were saying yeah. it. Um, yeah. Very, very Roman of them, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Carter, however, is determined. And in September, he signed a couple of treaties giving Panama the canal, so long as they guaranteed neutrality off the canal. So you can have it back, but don't, don't, don't hoard it for yourselves, guys. Come on. Share the wealth. Uh, and uh, also, in the very sci-fi sounding year of 2000, Panama, you would get full control. It's, you oh. just got partial control right now, but in 2000, you get full control. How about that? Yes. Where everything's um, silver. Yeah. And we've got blue yes. hair. We're all on hoverboards. We probably weren't yeah. new canals at the time. Yeah. The chips will just hover over. It'll be brilliant. Ha-ha, more yeah. for them. <laughs> <laughs> so Carter gave a speech, uh, and I will quote here, This marks the commitment of the United States to the belief that fairness, not force, should lie at the heart of our dealings with the nations of the world. Yeah. Yeah. New caring United States. Mm. Excellent. Uh, soon after this, a little bit of bad news. Uh, his energy plan had hit problems in the Senate. Oh, the one he's confident about. Yeah, it had passed, uh, but it had been ripped to shreds by the Senate. So it, it didn't really resemble what he wanted it to. So he sadly goes and rubs that tick in the wing column out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but there's nothing you can do, so uh, where does the president have most of his power? Uh, in foreign affairs. So let's keep thinking about foreign affairs, he yeah. says. Right, okay, peace in the Middle East isn't working. Sorted the Panama Canal out. Uh, Russia, let's sort that out. Okay. <laughs> uh, just go there and just tell them that they're wrong and they'll realise and then, woo, problem solved. Well, uh, talks are still going on, and um, for time reasons, I'm not going into the minutiae of the talks with Russia at this time and yeah. the SALT II treaty that's going on, but just know there is continuation of talks going on uh, that have gone from the Nixon era. Things are moving in the right direction in terms of decreasing nuclear weapons on either side. Uh, so, yeah, things are generally going okay. Uh, well enough, in fact, that Carter is able to use diplomatic channels to help set up a United States slash Soviet call for peace in the Middle East. With a Ooh. conference in Geneva. Yeah. Yeah, look. That's amazing. The superpowers. Actually. Yeah, yeah. Superpowers are saying, hey, hey, guys, chill out. Yeah. Take, take a chill pill. Yeah. Yeah, don't look at us like that. Yes, I know that we're the ones using you to fight a proxy war, but just chill out. Yeah. It's fine. Be less aggressive. <laughs> it, would, it was hoped that this would be seen as a landmark occasion, but proving just how volatile the politics is around the Middle East, uh, the fact that the announcement had mentioned, among many other things, the official rights of Palestine, uh, a lot of people in the United States were very unhappy about this. It's the first time the United States had ever officially recognised that Palestine was a thing. That's a good point, because the yeah. US was one of the f fundamental reasons, along with the UK, that Israel exists. 
Yeah, exactly. So um, Carter saw this as compromise and a strive to peace, but there are a lot of people who were saying he's gone too far here. Uh, so again, mixed reception to this. Well, I mean, still... I mean, recognizing Palestine and they should share the land. That's not going to cause a problem. That'll solve it all, right? No, 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 it's fine. It's fine. Carter believes that this is a step in the right direction, so he doesn't care that he has some pushback from certain people in his country. Uh, he thinks he's doing the right thing, so he's going to do it, damn it. He tends to go with his uh, heart a lot, doesn't he? He does go with his heart, yes. You know, we're seeing this a lot. Uh, and then in December, Carter travels to Iran. Yes, uh, the United States needed to keep its closest ally in the region happy. If they lost Iran, the Soviets could just sweep up the Middle East, was the fear. Now, just, just to remind you, Iran at this time is very pro-United States. Ah, that was going to be my question. <laughs> yes. Well, I say very pro-United States. In 1953, the CIA had organised a coup, and the person ruling Iran was very pro-United States. That right. does not mean in any way that the population is. And as we're going to see, that's going to cause some tensions. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, Carter needs to go to Iran to just uh, show up the support of the, uh, the Shah of Iran. Uh, make sure everything's good. Uh, this was seen as hypocritical by many. I mean, this is Carter. He's been talking about human rights. Mm. He's been talking about world peace. It was not a very well-kept secret that the CIA had trained Iranian secret police. And uh, this is a million miles away from the human rights that Carter had been talking about because they had cracked down on the population in some quite atrocious ways. Human rights. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the Shah Reza had uh, been ruling as an absolute monarch since, like I say, the CIA and MI6, let's, let's not <laughs> let Britain off the hook, uh, had put him in charge two decades before. Large swathes of the oppressed population in the country had grown to absolutely despise the country who had supported what they considered tyrant. Right. Anti-US feeling runs deep in Iran. Anyway, Carter's over there. He led a toast to the Shah. Uh, quote, Iran, because of the great leadership of the Shah, is an island of stability in one of the most troubled areas of the world. He said that, and they all had a lovely toast, <laughs> and then he leaves to go to the airport, and on the way, all the protesters throw rocks at his car, chant oh. down with the USA and things. Carter oh. is not popular. Thank you. Smack, smack. Thank you. <laughs> of course, yes. Oh, oh almost got me there. Yeah, there's a general feeling of unrest in the country, shall we say. Mm. Yeah, unrest, simmering violence, yeah. anger. Yeah. Aggression, hate. Yeah. Anyway, back home, Carter's also in trouble back home. The energy crisis is still taking its toll on the public. And uh, the public had decided that Carter clearly was not able to do anything about it. He'd come on TV, he'd said, yeah, ooh, oh, it's going to be a bit tough, guys, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway, tighten your belts, and then that's it. Yeah. Is, what, is that it? You're, you're meant to be the president. Um, now, there was a couple of reasons why the public saw Carter as being ineffectual here. One is, like I've just covered... He didn't seem to be doing much, but it's a little bit more complicated than that, because Carter, by this point, was up against a very organised opposition. Because in recent years, 
a right-wing conservative movement had been growing within the GOP. Interesting. Now, there'd obviously been right-wing politics for a very long time in America, as we have covered, Uh, but (laughs) now they'd got organised. For the first time, it was possible to see clear links between the grassroots movements and politicians and Washington think tanks. You you can start drawing and connecting the dots in the right-wing movement in America, Uh, whereas before you just got pockets of it appearing in both of the major political parties. Yeah. Uh, Now, this was known as the New Right, and this was what was uniting the Republican Party, and it was starting to create an infrastructure that would help turn the party into what it is today. That's fascinating, isn't it? Yeah, because we're just starting to see the birth of the modern Republican Party. Yeah. So well, so I say what we see today, what we well, saw up until Bush. We're now into yeah. Trumpism, uh, which yeah. is, is something slightly different again. Yeah. But certainly uh, it's on the road to what we've got today. So the New Right organised talk shows. They organised speaking events. Mm-hmm. They paid for political adverts that masqueraded as documentaries. Mass letters were sent out. All of them stoked fears that Carter was damaging the country. There was a really good organised push saying, Carter is ruining your life. And uh, all of this ramped up during Carter's push to give back the Panama Canal. So this has been going on for a while. He's giving land away. He's making America weak. Uh, And it's now continuing. Oh, dear. Carter's approval ratings dropped to 34%. That's quite low. That is very low, yeah. Uh, Relationships between Carter and the rest of his party become even worse. Uh, They start to fear he's a liability. And Carter didn't help matters when he started avoiding calls from members of Congress. He's never really been a a team player with the party, and he's not about to get on board now. So he just carries on doing what he wants to do. (laughs) He's a bit of an independent, isn't he? A bit of a rogue. Yeah, yeah, he really is. Uh, Still... He, he can't be doing with all that. He's no. going to crack on with what he is determined to achieve in his presidency. And that is peace in the Middle East, damn it. We're going to get there. Mm-hmm. So, in September of 78, he invites the Prime Minister of Israel and the Egyptian president to Ooh. Camp David. Ooh. Now, again, simplifying things here because complex politically, but at this time, Egypt is seen as the, the leading Middle Eastern country. And, uh, yeah, they've got the largest army, they are the richest. So Carter's thinking, yeah, let's get Egypt on side. Plus, Egypt and Israel have a border dispute. So let's, let's talk to those two. Let's see if we can't sort this mess out. All very secretive. Carter didn't want leaks to the press to disturb anything, so uh, they come to Camp David uh, on the hush-hush. And to begin with, they talked as a group. Did not go well. This is like a WhatsApp group. Uh, like that, but in real life. Oh, cool. So pe- people had to say the emojis out loud. <laughs> Smiley face. Turd, <laughs> turd, turd. <laughs> Frowny face. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, the, the talks quickly fell apart. It wasn't going to work like this. Too much animosity. Uh, so instead, Carter started to act as a go-between between the two parties. He talked to one side, go and visit the other side. He'd negotiate. He became a mediator. Uh, Carter was clear. His aim was for peace. Uh, a peace plan that sorted territorial disputes between the two countries and also one that dealt with the issue of the West Bank and the Palestinian population. Ooh. Yeah, he's going through it all. Yeah. He's going to fix it all. Yeah. That's ambitious. 
Yeah, Carter figured that no peace talk would work unless we actually sort out the whole Palestine issue. Yeah. Uh, but it soon becomes very clear that the West Bank was too hot an issue for the Israeli Prime Minister. Uh, he wasn't going to talk about this. Uh, it would scupper any talks. So Carter decides, okay, let's pick your battles. Let's focus on the territorial disputes between the two countries instead. We'll make progress there, and then hopefully it will lead to something else. So President Sadat, uh, the president of Egypt, was getting frustrated by this point. He almost just walked out on the on the meetings. He was just going to leave. He wanted to talk about the West Bank and was very annoyed that it wasn't on the table anymore. Yeah. Carter, fearing the president leaving, got tough. He said to the president, if you walk away now, the friendship between our countries would end and so would our personal friendship. Yeah. Yeah. So do not walk out on these talks. We are we are here for peace, damn it. Yes, I, uh, I will yeah. kill you if we have to. <laughs> <laughs> By any means necessary, we will have peace. Uh, yeah, uh, President Sadat is persuaded. Okay, fine, I'm not happy, but I'll stay, I'll talk. Uh, in the end, it was agreed that Israel would retreat from some of the land in question, and Egypt would formally recognise Israel. Fine, Israel's a thing, we accept it. So, two big concessions there. Nice. Genuinely good work. Uh, and Palestine, the West Bank, uh, we'll, we'll kick that can up the road for now, shall yeah, we? Because, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. someone else can deal with that. Look, we, we've achieved something, let's celebrate. So Carter took it as a win and celebrated. And for a while, his ratings go up. He genuinely mm. has made a little bit of progress in the Middle East. Yeah, there's a little bit of peace in the Middle East. A little bit of peace. Uh, but not... The, the, the celebrations don't last for long. Unfortunately no. for Carter, most Americans did not care about peace in the Middle East. They cared about the fact they couldn't afford to heat their homes and they could not afford to drive their cars. A fair point. <laughs> it's a very fair point. Yeah. It's like, why, would, why, why do I care about these countries halfway across the world? I can't eat. I'm poor. Yeah, yeah. so it, it gave him a bit of a boost, but it was not what he, he hoped for. Uh, and increasingly, the Democrats in Congress were getting angered by what they saw as Carter's re- refusal to engage in the economy. You're too busy focusing on world politics. Deal with what's happening in your own country. A majority of the Democrats believed that the job of government was to ease the lives of those suffering in times of hardship. What's the point in having a government if we don't look after our citizens in times of trouble? (laughs) Uh, Carter, however, did not share those views. As we've seen before, he's never really a full Democrat. Uh, And this was an area his opinions more aligned with the Republicans. He believed that in times of economic hardship, it's not the job of the government to look after its citizens. It's the job of the government to hold the course, to keep the ship economically steady, let the market sort itself out, and then people can get back on with their lives. Uh, Carter was a fiscal conservative. Uh, Those in the Democratic Party who wanted Carter to be doing more to aid the poorest, were very disappointed that Carter was doing more to aid the national budget than its citizens, and they were getting very frustrated with him. Yeah. Um, by this time, Carter's about halfway through his presidency, or at least the first term. He didn't realise it was his whole presidency at the time, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant! I've got another six years of this. Woo! Rock on! Yeah, um, well, the midterms are up. Guess how well it goes? I'm guessing not great. Did they lose the... Because they got the House and the Senate, haven't they? So I'm guessing they lost them. No, they keep control of the House and the Senate. The House and oh. the Senate 
at this time is very uh, democratic and has been for a while. However, they lose all of their big majority. They they keep Congress, but just, and it is seen as a huge, huge loss. The the parties start to genuinely worry because the right of the GOP are now very organised. There are now many former Democratic voters leaving the party, particularly in the South and the Southwest, and voting for this more right-leaning Republican Party. We're hemorrhaging votes here. They're, they're spurting votes out of their veins. They are. I, and we, we covered this with the, uh, with the Democratic shift and the Republican shift that we've covered. Uh, there were many in the Democratic Party realised that they were going to lose a lot of votes as their party started to shift towards civil rights. And this is exactly what we're seeing here, uh, especially in the South. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the Democratic Party is in trouble. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, they, yeah. Yes, they are, to be blunt. Now, incidentally, by the way, uh, a man named Newt Gingrich gets his seat in the House in this election. And believe me, we will have more on Newt later on. So, you come across Gingrich before? No, but I love the name Newt. Just pop him in his volcano lair. Oh, is he taking over? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Maybe it's my own political bias here, and maybe as I'm being more neutral, uh, at least te- attempting to be in future episodes, <laughs> maybe I'll have to go easy on the guy. Maybe I'll see some points that he raises. But uh, he's instrumental in uh, the way that the Republican Party goes. Right, OK. Yeah. He's, he's going to be a big player, just know okay. that. Anyway, he's, he's starting at this time. Anyway, morale was bad for the Democrats. Many openly stated about running for president next time, despite Carter being able to run again. Let's just get rid of him. We don't need to keep him. Chief among these was the brother of John F. Kennedy. Ah. Not Bobby Kennedy. He's gonna, also dead. Yeah, I was going to say. Yes. Like, no, this ooh. is the third brother, Ted Kennedy. He's going to run. Uh, Ted Kennedy publicly criticised the fiscal conservatism of Carter, and he said the party needed to sail against the wind of the conservative public sentiment and use the federal funds to actually help people. Uh, Carter was not impressed with this, and I'll quote Carter, It is an illusion to believe that we can preserve a commitment to compassionate progressive government if we fail to bring inflation under control. It's like, yeah, well, I want to do good for people, but if we... If we mess up the economy, we won't be able to do it. Fair point. Uh, yeah, I mean, you can see arguments on both sides <laughs> yeah, yeah. of this. It's a, a, a tricky thing. The trouble was, Carter is not bringing inflation under control. That's the problem with Carter's argument. He's, yeah. he's saying, well, I've got to bring it under control, so we can't do what you say. Well, go on then, bring it under control, said Ted Kennedy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Carter's not doing it. Unemployment is high, and to most it looked like the president was just doing nothing. The only ones in Congress who were happy with him were mostly the other fiscal conservatives, and most of them were in the GOP. Uh, and they're not about to sing his praises for obvious reasons. So yeah. Carter's got very little support in Washington. Uh, and then OPEC announced that they're rising the prices of oil. Hooray! Way! Just, just yes. what we need. So the energy crisis gets worse. Uh, Then, oh, reports coming through from Iran, by the way. Uh, the country's looking even more and more unstable. You know those riots that took place oh, when yeah. Carter went and visited? Well, they, they never really went away, and it's just continuing, and there's lots of riots. And, oh, the, the Shah had to flee the country. Oh, one, 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 yes. wonderful. Yes, because supporters of Ayatollah Khomeini, uh, Khomeini was the leader of a religious movement in the country, in exile himself, uh, but his supporters 
uh, had chased the Shah out of the country and taken over Iran. In fact, it was only a matter of weeks before they took over the military. So Iran is no longer a US ally. Ah. Yeah. I mean, you could argue it technically wasn't. Well, the government was. was. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the mood in the country was not, and now it's just full-on not. Khomeini uh, is invited back into the country, takes over as the first supreme ruler of Iran. The official position of Iran is now deaf to the United States. A lot of bad feeling there. And understandably so. I mean, the United States did overthrow the government 20 years ago, so you can see where the anger's coming from, yes. Anyway, uh, Khomeini brought in a very different government to that of before. It was very traditionally Muslim, um, but also brought forth some new ideas on how Islam and politics should be linked. The the, the idea is that the religion and the government are now fused as one. Yeah. Uh, And this way we can have a a more firm grip on the country, was the idea behind it. For the purposes of this podcast, you just need to know it's very anti-United States. It's very anti Soviet, although not as anti-Soviet as anti-United States, Mm. and it's largely seen by the people of Iran as a liberating government that had overthrown the shackles of Western oppression. Uh, So it was largely celebrated. Obviously, this is very complex, and I'm simplifying this. You will have to go and find other podcasts to go into the details of the revolt in Iran. Anyway, Carter, back in America, can't do anything about this, so he didn't. (laughs) (laughs) just nothing you can do okay well let's that's a shame uh uh peace peace in the middle east damn it yep how's that going he said (laughs) furiously flicking through his his file of facts he turned to lionel on the on the bench lionel just gives him a slightly sort of (laughs) sad look kind of oh it's it's not going well and then just just, just slowly rolls over to his side so he's facing away yeah no it's fine it's fine lionel i've got peace in the middle east sorted it's gonna be fine uh let's set up new meetings new meetings and get more peace damn it let's pour peace into the middle east so the israeli prime minister comes to washington uh yet again meeting did not go well like I said before, the, the two men just didn't get on very well personally, and after a few meetings, it was obvious things weren't going as smoothly as they should be. Some things were put in place. Uh, it was agreed to a 12-month target to reach an agreement over Palestine. Okay. The whole Palestine issue is a mess, but yeah. let's agree to agree to something within the next 12 months. Now, you just know nothing's going to happen for the first, like, 11 months and 20 days, right? <laughs> and then everyone's going to go, oh, no, we said peace in the Middle East. Oh, quick, right, uh, Google uh, peace in the Middle East. Then just someone uh, scream, oh. what's a Google? <laughs> it's a big number with 100 zeros. <laughs> How's that helpful, Simon? It's not! <laughs> <laughs> There's panic in the room. <laughs> yeah. Um, but still, they've got their target in place. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's slightly better than, than you predict. Uh, they don't leave right. it until the 11th hour. A few weeks after making this target, Carter travels to Egypt, where he is met with enthusiasm. Uh, generally, people in Egypt see this as a positive thing. Yeah. Uh, it goes well. He meets the president of Egypt. Yeah, it's it's... Not too bad. Hmm. Progress is being made. Uh, then he goes to Israel. Ooh, less of a cheerful welcome there. Protesters 
people chanting nasty things about Carter. Uh, yeah, it's um, not. <laughs> I, I didn't realise so many words rhyme with Carter. <laughs> <laughs> there was a general feeling amongst uh, many in Israel that the United States were turning their backs on the country. Yeah. Uh, they were surrounded by people who didn't want them to exist and their friends, the superpower, was abandoning them. What's the feeling in Israel? Um, yeah. yeah, obviously the feelings of other countries and people who had been displaced from their land were slightly different. Mm-hmm. Like I say, it's a complex issue. Yeah, uh, all we need to know for now, though, is that there's tension in the area. But despite this, in the end, the agreement that was come up with in Camp David months before was finally publicly announced. So, yeah, we're, we're doing this. It's fine. Uh, the leaders of Egypt and Israel publicly shook hands. This was... <gasps> shown across the world, seen as a first step to peace in the region, celebrated yeah. this is fantastic news. Carter puts a tick in the wing column once more. And it gets better and better from then. Yes. As ever, none of this is helping Carter back home. <laughs> of course not. As stated before, <laughs> would it? Few, few people care. I mean, obviously, people cared. Yeah. Very few people want war in the Middle East. People yeah. were happy that peace seemed to be getting better. But when half of the gas stations in the country had closed down and uh, people are booking appointments to queue for hours to get gas for their cars, wow. uh, that that's what's on the forefront of people's minds right now. That seems really that's weird. That's what people are getting frustrated by. Because when you, when you think of America, you think of cheap gas, gas stations everywhere kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, pop into the gas station and buy a really dodgy burger, get ill, continue <laughs> driving, get out, relieve yourself, get back in again. I, I see you've got American driving culture down there. Oh, I, I, oh yeah. I've I, read you... Mick Foley's book. I know what's going on. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, yeah, well, none of that is true. It's, it's queues at the gas station, it's expensive, and you probably couldn't even get a burger. Ooh. Yeah, probably not. Uh, so, yeah, and this new energy plan that had been ripped apart and finally got passed uh, was doing nothing to help. It was a long-term solution, and it had been ripped apart, so it just had not helped at all. Carter felt that the nation needed to understand the plan more, to get behind it. <gasps> Is he going to do the thing that other president did, where he like, sits by a fireside and just explains it? Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. He's going to do that again. Um, awesome. There's no magic bullet. People need to hold firm. So to get this message across, you're absolutely right. It's another fireside uh, story time with President Carter on the TV. So what are we going to say in this speech, he says to his room of speech writers? <laughs> um, come on, come on, ideas. No, bad, no idea is a bad idea. How can we spin this to make it sound positive? We need to tell the public that they are f***ed. <laughs> But it needs to sound good. <laughs> how, how, how do we do this? Um, uh, we're, we're screwed, but we're not screwed forever. Your grandchildren will be fine. Yeah, no, it, it really was not going well. They just could not figure out a way of making the crisis sound good. There was no solution. I mean, uh, when you call it was... a crisis, that's the negative element. So maybe you need somebody in there that's like, we need call to it... rename this. It's not a crisis. Call it it's the... a the energy opportunity yes that's what it is yes that's what it is it's an opportunity to yeah. change the way we do energy yeah uh, well the problem was carter was told is that the public already knew what was in the energy plan and they decided that it was useless and it didn't help them 
Carter turning up talking about his energy plan more was not going to help anyone. No. In fact, his, his wife, remember Roslyn? Yeah. Uh, she summed it up, and I'll quote here, prices are still going up. <laughs> I was just hoping you'd just scream. <laughs> <laughs> ah! <laughs> no, uh, prices are still going up. They don't want to hear about a new program that will allocate energy to the elderly at a lower cost. They just want to be told that everything is going to be alright, and someone understands the situation and has it under control. Stop getting lost in the details and just come across as reassuring. That's all you need to do. Yeah. One aide said the country does not want or need another energy crisis speech. It wants and needs energy action. Do something, Carter. Something that has an immediate effect. <laughs> The speech was seen as so poor, Carter <laughs> decides to pull it. He, he cancels. A couple of days before the televised speech, he just cancels it. We're not going to do it. I mean, that, understandably, everyone sees that as a sign of weakness. Yeah. And Inst- a lot of distrust is suddenly like, oh, yeah. Instead, Carter decides to rethink. He, he's, he's really struggling at this point. It's not going well. He knows it's not going well. Something's gone wrong. He needs to regroup. So he heads to Camp David. He invites his advisors. He invites experts. He invites politicians. They're going to talk everything through and get to the nub of the problem. Let's actually figure this out. Uh, One man who attended saw the president sitting on the floor just scribbling notes on where to improve as people talk to him. Oh, dear. Yeah, uh, this person later said that he tried to imagine Lyndon Johnson doing this and just could not picture it. It, it, He didn't see this as a man trying to figure out how to get better. He saw it as a sign of weakness. Now, during this wave of unpopularity, one of Carter's former speechwriters wrote an article uh, for a national newspaper entitled The Passionless Presidency. The article accused Carter of just lacking all opinions... Uh, He could not see the bigger picture. He got lost in the details, and he became obsessed with things abroad. And he'd only become obsessed with things abroad because he was bored of dealing with domestic issues. I mean, that's not an unfair criticism. Uh, It's very easy to see how that could be considered true. Yeah, Uh, yes. The fact is Carter is spending more time on foreign issues than domestic issues. Carter himself would say... That's because the fiscal conservative steadies the course. We are just going to ride this out. We can't just go splashing money that we don't have around to try and fix the problem. We've just got to plough through it. Some support Carter on this, but a lot of people don't. And this article hugely damages Carter in the the theatre of public opinion. Uh, By this time, Ted Kennedy is obviously setting himself up to run against Carter as the Democratic nominee. Yeah. He publicly criticises his own president. Uh, rioting in the country is common by this point. Oh dear. Uh, yes, it's not a good time. Protesters even uh, attempted to scale the fence around the White House. Wow. Yeah. Things not going well. No. Uh, however, Carter decides, right, okay, uh, fireside speech. Let's actually do this now. We've had a bit of time to think. I've recalibrated. I've, I've, I know what I'm doing now. So, speech. Let's do this. 60 million people tuned in to hear Carter make a speech. Yeah. To deal with the energy problem, he assured people that a windfall tax would be put in place. So there you go. That's a little bit of a change there. Okay, we're, we're taxed the bigger companies. We weren't going to do that before. Uh, not only that, socialist. <laughs> Not only that, incentives were going to be put in place to reduce the country's reliance on oil. Uh, we start to see some 
ideas that will have a quicker impact than what happened before. Uh, but most importantly, he appealed to the average citizen to accept the fact that this is a crisis, that it's going to be tough, but they had to pull together. Again, there is no magic bullet here. And I'll quote him. Too many of us now tend to worship self-indulgence and consumption. Human identity is no longer defined by what one does, but by what one owns. There is a growing disrespect for government and churches and for schools, the news media and other institutions. This is not a message of happiness or reassurance, but it is the truth, and it is a warning. Interesting. Yeah, so... There was a little bit of, okay, right, I'll try and put some stuff in. But yeah. generally, the message was, yeah, it's tough. Deal with it. <laughs> well, I, I think as well, if I was around at the time and I was struggling and I heard that speech, it sounds a bit attacky. It's yeah. like, it's your fault, you're poor. It kind of comes across that way a little bit. Well, even, even if it's not, it's your fault, you're poor, it's a, yeah, you're poor, deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, as you can imagine... It's your indulgence has made you poor. That is how it sounded. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, as you can imagine, the response was mixed. I mean, some did praise him. Some thought this was the highlight of his presidency. Um, really? He was finally addressing the problem. He was coming out, he was speaking about the energy crisis. He is introducing the windfall tax. He is actually starting to get yeah, stuff done. he's moving. Yeah. Yeah, he's moving. Uh, so uh, some uh, praised him for this. Mm. Uh, some, however, claimed, well, what was that? That was nothing. We need real action here, and you're just throwing a small little bone, and uh, we're in crisis. And like you say, the tone of it, it was debatable how well that went over. Yeah. Well, I say it's debatable. We can use maths, because we're now very much in the age of <laughs> They've invented polling. maths by this point. <laughs> well, no, because we've got all the polling figures. What we do know is his approval rate went up 11 points after the speech. Oh. So the speech did do a net positive. Okay. One letter arrived at the White House that said, and I quote, you were the first politician to said the words that I've been thinking for years, which is, yeah, okay, stop being so self-indulgent. We need to work together. Don't forget, there was going to be a lot of uh, the older generation who lived through the war at this time, seeing the younger generation, and we're talking the younger generation going through the 50s and the 60s, and all of the fun that that was. Yeah. And thinking, oh, this young generation, they don't know what hard work is. Uh, a lot of them probably would have liked this message of, mm. no, you need to stop being so self-indulgent and actually work. Stop buying your records and your yeah, marriage. Exactly. So, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, all of this seems to encourage Carter. Uh, so it's time to start acting, he thinks. Okay. <laughs> I've, I've I've said it. Let's do it. Yeah, I've got to. I've, I'm going to actually start doing stuff. I quote him here: "I have one and a half years left as president, and I don't deserve to be re-elected if I can't do a better job. Ooh. I intend to run for office, and I I intend to be re-elected." Carter's not got his head in the sand here. He knows he's not doing a good job, and he is determined to do better. So, what does he do? Genuinely, don't know at this point. <laughs> Well, he asked 34 of his top staff to resign. Is, yeah, it, he, is this gu- the whole fresh start thing he likes? Oh, yeah. He, he guts his own administration completely. Wow. Uh, this includes the Secretary of the Treasury, the Attorney General, the Secretary of Health, uh, Education and Welfare, the Secretary of Housing, the Secretary of Transport, and the Secretary of, of Energy. Not all of them do resign, uh, by the way, uh, but he asked for the resignations. Uh, a number of them do. But the, the message behind this is clean slate. Let's change things up. Yeah. 
I've been getting advice from these people. Uh, I've heard your concerns public, so I'm going to change things up. Let's get things done. Wow, yeah. Unfortunately for Carter, this backfires massively. The public (laughs) don't see this as the president cleaning house so he could rebuild. They see this as the administration falling apart. Yeah. They saw Carter as weak and ineffectual anyway, and then suddenly his (laughs) whole administration's gone. Yeah, it just does not work. Any good work from the speech is utterly destroyed by the coverage of the resignations, and they happen so close to each other, they're completely intertwined. So those 11 points that he, he got, gone instantly. Oh, okay. And then, during all the bad news, a pebble that would start an avalanche happens. Uh, The Shah of Iran, currently in exile in Mexico, because remember he had to flee, Mm. uh, he asked to come to America for health reasons. Now, Henry Kissinger, oh yes, he's still around, uh, he, he had personally been badgering the president to allow the Shah to come to the United States for some time. Uh, he's a friend to America. We should allow him in. That's what we should do. Uh, Carter, very unhappy with the idea, fearing that it would open the United States up to accusations of plotting a, uh, of plotting a counter-coup in Iran. No, no, we wouldn't. We <laughs> no, of course not. No, well, I'll that. quote Carter here. I don't have any feelings that the Shah or we would be better off with him playing tennis several hours a day in California instead of Acapulco. It just does not benefit us him being in America. Why on earth would we do this? Uh, but then Carter changed his mind all of a sudden overnight, which is interesting. Did he have a conversation? Or was he? Well, we don't we don't know 100% why. Some historians have speculated that uh, Kissinger was able to put pressure on Carter due to the Salt II talks with Russia. Uh, they're going on in the background, by the way. Yeah. The talks with Russia de-escalation and all that is going on in the background. Uh, Kissinger, obviously, due to his role, uh, could cause problems or help due to his connections. So some historians speculate he put a little bit of pressure on the president. Uh, Other historians say this is absolutely nonsense and conspiracy theory stuff. And uh, actually, the Shah was genuinely ill and Carter was a compassionate person. And when he found out that the Shah was ill, uh, he allowed the Shah to come into America to be treated. Either way, uh, the Shah was let into America. And almost instantly, Iran was in an uproar. Understood. Well, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, many in the country feared a repeat of 53. Yeah. With the United States taking over their country once more. Anti-American feeling, already incredibly high in Iran, ramps up even more. And then on November the 4th, and this is where we go to the start of our episode. Have you got that that guy with his tie in his office? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, that office is actually in the embassy in Tehran. Oh, oh. Yes. Swerve. Yeah, because on November the 4th, students break into the American embassy in the capital of Iran. And a few velociraptors. And a few velociraptors. They were helping the students out, yes. <laughs> go, uh, go! To begin with, this invasion of the embassy was intended to be a sit-in by the students. We're going to break into the embassy, we're going to sit down, and we're going to protest until the Iranian forces turn up, remove us, but we'll make a big commotion and it will be a big protest. That was the initial idea. As they suspected, the security forces in the embassies, the American uh, security forces, they're not going to use force against us. There's loads of us. We're in Iran. (laughs) 
Um, there's not many of them. Yeah. It would be a very bad look if they are shooting at students. So there's one thing America isn't is trigger happy. I mean, it is a gamble, isn't it? If you're, I'm sure they won't shoot us. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's um, it's a gamble, but it's a fairly sensible one. You're a bunch of students. Yeah. You're going in. Uh, they're going in with signs saying this is peaceful. We're sitting yeah. down. It w- it was a we're doing a peaceful protest. They are unwrapping um, their cannabis uh, as they're saying that. Uh, so unlikely can, with these up. students. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, oh. they're going in and they are sitting down and they are going to protest and they're going to wait till the Iranian forces remove them. And as they suspected, the security forces in the embassy did not use force against them because they were a very large and angry crowd, and they would have been ripped to shreds. However, the situation changes very quickly once the students are in, because it turns out that uh, Kimoni was more than happy with this action. No one is about to force the protesters out. The Iranian forces are not on the way. Oh. So the protesters go, excellent. (laughs) How far can we go? (laughs) Yeah, this is going better than we expected. Okay. Well, we're in now, so let's let's see what we can get. Yeah. Things escalate. The embassy staff and the marines posted there are blindfolded and paraded in front of the press. Oh, this in a matter of hours turned from a let's do a sit-in in an embassy into a full-blown hostage situation. Oh, because they had backing from the supreme leader. Ah, yeah. So here are the demands: give us our old Shah back. <laughs> We won't do anything nasty to him, promise. <laughs> and you can have your embassy people back. Oh, and also, America, apologise for 1953 and uh, unfreeze all the Iranian frozen assets that you've frozen. So do that and you can have your people back. These are very savvy students, aren't they? Well, I should say <laughs> at this point, yeah. obviously, yeah. there is an element of organisation here that suggests that maybe... It's not just a bunch of students. Yes, I mean... Just know that uh, there's a group of people, and most of them were yeah. students. They, they were studying. That's what they yeah. were doing. Um, yeah, so it soon became clear uh, to the Kimoni supporting uh, students that they had hit the jackpot here. Their invasion of the US embassy was hugely popular in their country, so much so that the Kimoni's uh, political opponents were hugely damaged. Uh, Iran isn't just one solid mindset. Obviously, there were still people in the government who supported the old Shah. Yeah. Uh, the prime minister of the country, for example, was seen as quite a moderate and was not happy with the way things were going. But because he was not happy with the taking over of the American embassy, he lost all political power and oh. was forced to resign and his cabinet fell apart within days of the embassy being taken over. So Iran takes a big shift towards uh, the supreme leader. So there's very little to no incentive to release the hostages by this point until the Americans give them exactly what they want. There's no internal pressure in the country to stop this. Yeah. So back in the United States, Carter is trying to deal with the fallout. His appeal for the hostages to be released on humanitarian grounds uh, (laughs) just falls on deaf ears, as you can imagine. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Have you thought about releasing the hostages because it's the right thing to do? No? No. Damn it, I'm out of ideas. Okay. (laughs) I really thought that'd work. 
<laughs> yeah, uh, the president cancelled all of the business to focus on this. This is a crisis, obviously. To begin with, in the United States, this crisis was as much of a unifying event as it was in Iran. People saw Carter attempting to save American lives and being attacked by Iranian politicians, and support for Carter rose dramatically, mm. as you can imagine. Yeah, well, yeah. But as Carter realised, this is only going to last so long. If he doesn't find a solution quickly enough, he will simply be blamed. So, yeah, I mean, he can ride the support, but he's got to find a solution. Yeah. So, remember, 4th of November was when that happened. Just to give, give you a, a sense of okay. how long this is going to go on for. Right, so we're now in late December. To complicate things, the Soviets invade Afghanistan. Ah. Yeah. Brilliant. That's, that's fun, isn't it? Uh, the worst fears of the United States are coming true here. They're losing their hold on the Middle East. They don't have Iran anymore, so the Soviets feel like they can walk into the Middle East. Oh, dear. Uh, okay. There's not much we can do about that now. We need to focus on the hostage situation, thinks Carter. This is what the public care about, more than anything. Could argue in some ways more than the energy crisis. This has captured the imagination of the, uh, the American public. Evening news programs cover the story daily. Uh, counting each day that's gone by at the end of each news report. And this is the backdrop in which the primaries start up. Because that's right, the election's coming up. Oh, wonderful. In about a year. Uh, yeah, next November. We're, we're in December of the previous year. Remember, American election, elections are long, Jamie. Uh, but you've got to start thinking about it. So many in the party are fed up with the president. He can't seem to get anything done. Should we just... Put someone else up instead. As predicted, Ted Kennedy throws his hat into the ring. Uh, we don't need to keep Carter for another four years, he says. We can change. Let's, yeah, let's, let's change things up. I'd be better. I'm a, I'm a Kennedy. Yeah. I'm a Kennedy. Yeah. People love Kennedys. The big K. Yeah. However, fortunately for Carter, Kennedy then shoots himself in the foot. Literally? No, Jamie. One oh. day, one day. <laughs> <laughs> one day a metaphor and idiom will come true. I, I'm just going to have to research people who have literally shot themselves in the foot so I can do an episode on them. World just War so One is your best works. bet, I think. <laughs> Quite likely, yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah. Uh, Kennedy, uh, he really messes up. Uh, he has an interview early on. Uh, it's like this right at the start of the idea of people running yeah. in the primaries. Uh, and he is asked uh, the, the tough, tough question, why do you want to be president? I, I mean, your initial answer should be something like, to make the country better, I have these ideas, these plans, it'll make people happy. Yeah, Kennedy doesn't have an answer. He just goes oh. a, bit, a bit and then just waffles, and it's very clear he <laughs> does America? not have an answer. <laughs> Yeah, he, he really messes up this interview. He can't answer why he wants to be president. Ow. He later said that he was expecting a softball interview, so he just hadn't prepared. What? It doesn't get much more softball than why do you want to be president? No. <laughs> yeah. uh, this interview damages, his, damages him a lot. Uh, it's obvious that he's not actually prepared. Carter and his team delighted. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Kennedy was his uh, biggest rival within the party. It now seems likely that the party are going to stay with Carter. Now, it is more complex than that as we go on, but for time reasons, I'm just going to say, ultimately, Kennedy's support runs out of steam. Yeah. Uh, and Carter is safe. Uh, but for now, he doesn't know that. 
Um, and also, it's the only good news for Carter oh. because he's still trying to deal with the Prime Minister of Iran. He was seen as more reasonable than Khomeini, uh, but it's not going well. Nor were any attempts to use the backdoor channels to talk to Khomeini's people. Uh, eventually, seeing no other way to resolve the situation, Carter agrees to force. Force what? We are going to get our people out of there. Oh. Oh. Ooh. For a bit of context here, several months have passed by this point. Yeah. Day by day, the public are saying, why can't you rescue our people? Right. So, uh, let's get them out. A plan had been put together, you'd be pleased to know. Yeah. You could tell it was a good one, because it was called Operation Eagle Claw. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. What a name. Operation Eagle Claw can't go wrong. It's called Operation Eagle Claw. Yeah. In fact, yeah. In fact soldiers, don't even worry about it. Just, just go in there, do what you need to do. It's fine. See this folder with the words Operation Eagle Claw yeah, on it? Here, have that need. and just walk, yeah. walk into Tehran with your folder and just yeah. show people yeah. that we've got plans and it's called yeah. Operation Eagle Claw. In fact, Claw. he's an eagle. Go for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, Operation Eagle Claw. The plan was a joint effort of the Navy, Army, Marines and Air Force. I mean, it sounds impressive. Yeah, really. Yes, we put the might of all of our armed forces on the job. No, you, you want streamline. Anyway, no, no. It's fine. It's a simple plan. Yeah. It's a simple plan. Okay. Eight helicopters were going to fly to a salt plane 200 kilometers from Tehran. They would rendezvous with troops that had been flown there in planes, and they'd pick up supplies and refuel. Then they would fly in the helicopters that had been refueled to a mountain location near the city and then wait 24 hours, enter the city the next night, rendezvous with CIA operatives in the city, storm the embassy, take the hostages to an airport 80 kilometers outside the city that would have been captured by the army by that point and fly to Egypt in time for cigars and brandy. Excellent. Eagle Claw! They'll all shout. <laughs> and everyone did an Eagle Claw motion yeah. with their hands. <laughs> Yeah. Sensible Samuel in the corner just yeah. he's just buried his head in the Eagle Claw <laughs> folder. No one can see him screaming silently. Uh, <laughs> it's fine, this is going to go off without a hitch. Okay, it starts well enough, you'll be pleased to know. As in the helicopter's lifted off. Yes, the helicopters lift that's off. They're fueled, that's a good start, yeah. But leave the helicopters lifting off. Don't go any further with the helicopters. <laughs> That's the end of the positivity. <laughs> Instead, go to the troops that were going to the salt planes in airplanes. I am not, by the way, anyone listening, going to be listing the actual military names for the equipment, the planes and the helicopters, because it means nothing to me, and I'm guessing it means nothing to most our listeners. Yeah. All you need to know is that they're army planes and army helicopters, or probably, probably Air Force ones. You know what I mean. Yeah. Military. They've got, military planes, they've got letters military and helicopters. numbers. That's, that's for I the I think there's C's and A's out. in them. Yeah. If you want to know the details, look it up. Just helicopters and planes, that's all we need to know. Yeah. <laughs> right. So the troops... <laughs> the troops are in the plains, and they go to the salt plains. The salt flats, let's call them that, yeah, because that it gets confusing <laughs> yeah. otherwise. So yeah, the troops are a arrive at the salt flats, no problem at all. They, they arrive, they get out the plains, they are looking around, no one's meant to know they're there. But what's this, coming up the road, in this deserted, literal desert that they're in? It's just a bus full of people. Ah, they're probably school kids. It's fine. 
It's fine. So they stop the bus full of people at gunpoint and just tell them not to go anywhere. Yeah. It could Good. be dangerous. Yes, shush. They all do a shush motion. Shush. Don't tell anyone we're here. Um, right, okay. That's fine. Oh, what's this coming up the road? At this point, you can imagine someone turns to someone else and just goes, seriously? <laughs> we're meant to be in the middle of nowhere and we've already got two people driving by. No, sh- no, uh, no don't, don't be so negative. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, this was a big uh, fuel truck. Oh. Uh, fuel. Yeah, big fuel well, truck. Well, that must be for the bus. <laughs> Quite possibly. Ah. Um, they wave it down. They try and stop it. It's not stopping. And they realise, oh, no, this is a, a truck smuggling fuel. This is an illegal fuel thing that just happens to be going on. Okay. Well, it refused to stop. It's seen us. It will tell people we're here. What do we do? Ooh. Well, as two people, I imagine, are pondering this situation, the third yeah. guy just pulls out a rocket launcher and blows it up. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. there you go. Uh, amazingly, the driver survived. Severely burned, How? Survived. <laughs> Don't know. Maybe he jumped out last minute. Uh, his passenger, though, was burnt to a crisp. He's dead. So there we go. That's someone dead already. Uh, and also, it's a fuel truck. You can imagine the explosion. The entire area is lit up. <laughs> Everyone does the shush motion at each other. Shush, 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 shush. Don't, don't know we're here. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh go back to the bus. You you can all keep a secret, right? <laughs> Yeah. You'll look around. Is the bus still there? Is the bus? Yeah, the bus is still there. It's fine. Right. It's fine. Go and tell everyone on the bus that it's fine. They didn't just see an explosion. Right. Okay. So everything's going fine. This is this is yeah. okay. Right. We're being sneaky. <laughs> Come away from the salt flats. Right. Off to the helicopters. The helicopters have hit a problem, Jamie. They took off fine, but yeah. then they flew straight into a localized sandstorm. Oh. Yeah, uh, not good. One of the helicopters has to turn back because of an electrical fault. One of them just gets lost in the sandstorm. In the end, several hours late, only six of the eight helicopters arrive at the salt flats. Uh, Those on the ground argue over the merits of continuing behind schedule on a reduced team. Should we do this? We're hours behind schedule. We don't have all of the helicopters. Should we cancel this? We can't decide. We need to We need to ask. So the question goes up command. And who is ultimately in charge of the armed forces in America? Well, the president. The president. So finally it hits Carter. What do we do? Abort. This is unsafe. We're behind schedule. We've not got the helicopters. We'll just have to try again. And everyone aborts and leaves and everything's fine. Yeah. That would be nice if that was true, wouldn't it, Jamie? Yeah. Was there like one guy... Just like with the folder saying Eagle Claw <laughs> Not quite, but yeah, this this is actually sort of like the high point of the mission. Things steadily <laughs> really? go downhill. Yeah. It's been downhill since it started. <laughs> yeah, it's it's only just begun. Due to the delays, the uh the planes were low on fuel. They'd been like ready to take off at a moment's notice, so the engines have been idling. So they're low on fuel. Yeah. Uh, one of the planes had to move immediately, otherwise it would run out. So as it started to move, the dust kicked up and disorientated one of the helicopter pilots that was hovering nearby. Oh. The pilot attempts to correct his position, but clips the plane. The plane was full of people. No. Yes, the explosion 
kills eight people outright, and two were very severely burnt. Oh. Yeah. At this point, it's decided, let's not send the question up chain of command. Let's get out of here. This is the second explosion in a few hours. There's no way <laughs> the Iranian forces don't know we're here. Let's get out of here. Uh, so they get out as quickly as possible, leaving behind a lot of equipment. They just leg it, basically. And equipment and evidence. Evidence, equipment. It, this is absolutely awful. The worst it could possibly have gone. Uh, uh, embarrassing you could like from yes. political politically embarrassing uh tragic on a human level mm-hmm. that people died over nothing uh yeah it was absolutely awful the next day carter was forced to announce to the world the failed operation that had cost eight lives the iranian smuggler who had been caught up wasn't mentioned as i'm sure you're not surprised to, no. to learn it was eight american lives that had been lost um, yeah, uh, this was the landscape when it became clear that Carter was going to be up against a popular and organised Ronald Reagan in the upcoming election. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, Re- Reagan was running as the anti-establishment candidate. <laughs> he had declared that the Republicans were the party of the working man nowadays. Not the elites. That's all behind us. The Gilded Age was a long time ago. Forget about what you think about the GOP being the party of big business. We're the party of farmers. We're the party of shopkeepers. The little men. Um, This message was going across okay in some areas, less so in others. Results were mixed, but that doesn't hugely matter uh, because Carter can't catch a break at this point. His opinion poll numbers received, as I said, a bump after the hostage crisis started, has since plummeted to below where Nixon was post-Watergate. Oh. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's the only phrase I can get out. Yeah, not not good. No. Still, Carter's not lost hope. Really? How has he not lost hope? Well, there, there are reasons. The Republican Party had, post-Nixon, like I've said, shifted far to the right. And Carter thought that this was going to play to his advantage in the election. The GOP is no longer a large tent with political overlaps with the Democrats. I'll quote here, Reagan is different from me in almost every basic element. The Republican Party is sharply different to the Democrat Party. Mm. All through our podcast, the two parties have been different but with significant overlap we are starting to see the two parties shift away from each other slightly uh carter's thinking this this is to our advantage he fully believes that the average american is actually democratic at heart and Mm -hmm. if the republicans shift right then they'll alienate themselves yeah he pointed out that the current republican party is not just different to the democrats but also very different to how the republican party was under Ford and under Nixon. So they're going to alienate their own voters by shifting to the right like this. And uh, so he's thinking this, and to be fair to Carter, he's not 100% wrong. Um, Despite Carter's unpopularity, and believe me, he is not popular, the polls for the two candidates were roughly even. People don't seem to like Reagan or Carter. But overhanging all of this is obviously the hostage crisis. Every day that went by was damaging to the president. Meanwhile, Reagan and his team feared an October surprise, where the hostages would be released just before the election, giving Carter a boost. They feared that the the Carter administration would politically make sure that the hostages were released. 
at a politically opportune time. And there was good reason to fear this. Through back channels, through the German ambassador, the president had heard news that the Iranians were prepared to speak. Okay. Yeah, so that's good. But then things get slightly more complex because Saddam Hussein, the president of Iraq, invades Iran. (laughs) You're looking shocked, Jamie. Saddam Hussein? Oh, yes, we're getting very modern, Jamie. Very modern. This is weird. Yes, uh, yeah. Again, I'm not going into all the details of the animosity between Iraq and uh, Iran from this time, but uh, Saddam Hussein uh, is not happy with Iran over certain border disputes and several other things linking to all sorts of political and religious reasons. And uh, Saddam sees Iran as being weak after the recent coup. So decides, okay, let's move in. Carter and his administration held their breath and hoped that Iran would release the hostages so they could focus on the invasion. But no. The anti-American feeling in Iran meant that most people in Iran simply believed that the United States were behind the invasion. Which, it's not hard to believe that after what the United States had done in 53. Why wouldn't they think that? Well, of course, yeah. Yeah, due to this... The hostages stayed exactly where they were, while a frustrated Saddam Hussein realised that Iran was actually far more organised than he thought, Yeah, and that invasion was not going well. Still, on the 9th of October, word came through the back channels once more. Fine, we can talk about the release. So, talk start up. Yeah. Meanwhile, Reagan is warning the country against Carter. Expect him to say he's close to getting the hostages out. He's going to say anything to keep his numbers up. And also, the Iranians get this. They want you to vote for Carter because they want a weak president. Remember this, everyone. Iran hates Reagan. That's uh, how Reagan was pushing things. Carter was very frustrated by this. Mm. Carter's thinking, I'm doing everything I can to get these people out. How dare you accuse me of using them as a political tool? Uh, So being very frustrated, he lashes out at Reagan. He calls Reagan racist, untrustworthy, and uh, someone that you could not trust to hold the nuke codes. This backfires. Yeah. It was seen as petty and untrue, as we have seen many times in America, um, certainly in my lifetime. Mm. The taboo of calling someone racist is greater than being racist itself. You can't go around calling people racist. No. Good God. Um, Yeah, so whether you believe it of Reagan or not is immaterial. As a presidential candidate, it's seen as unseemly of accusing your opponents as being racist. Yeah. So yeah, this does not do Carter any uh, any good whatsoever. Meanwhile, the organised conservative groups backing Reagan put out attack ads accusing Carter of being soft on communism and of being a danger to the children of America. After all, he had organised a new department of education that encouraged homosexuality and abortion, don't you know? <laughs> He's going to get all of the gay children to have abortion abortions or something like that anyway it's <laughs> that, that's it's, it. it's that, awful that's, that's just minutia yeah <laughs> yeah we're gonna say words that scare you yeah. and don't vote for carter yeah. um yeah it's so, scary how this is so it's starting to sound very very modern yeah. isn't it yeah uh, meanwhile carter is attacked by a rabbit He's attacked by a rabbit whilst fishing. He's on a little boat. He takes a bit of a break. He's on a little boat on his own in a river. 
or on a river, I should say, and uh, he's just fishing, and a rabbit <laughs> jumps into the river, swims directly towards him, his teeth gnashing away, crazed look in its eyes, trying to get into the boat to attack Carter. Jaws had been out by this oh, point. Oh, <laughs> you're jumping ahead of me, Jamie. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> that comes into it. Okay. Oh, no, no, that's fine. It comes into it in just a moment. Um, yeah. Um, okay. This was just one of these weird things. Uh, he, he's he's fishing, yeah. and apparently this there was this rabbit that was being chased by something. Fearing for its life, it jumped into the river, saw something that it could jump onto, a boat, and swam towards Carter. Carter, seeing this poor little rabbit, but also it's a big swamp rabbit. Apparently these things aren't cute, fluffy rabbits. It's a... Yeah, it's not something you want to share a small boat with. So he uses his oar to sort of splash the rabbit to make it go away. Yeah. Yeah. The story gets out, and oh, it's bad for Carter. President attacked by rabbit is not a good headline. (laughs) It's really not. It's really not. It's hilarious. hilarious. That's what it is. Um, Yeah, Carter, he's so weak. He's a target for rabbits. He can't even fight off the rabbits. How's he going to free the hostages when the rabbits are after him? Uh, And yes, you're absolutely right. Jaws was out at this point because one newspaper did a mock-up of the Jaws poster, but with a rabbit and called it Paws. (laughs) Anyway, uh, despite all this, uh, what is interesting is that the polls remain deadlocked. People aren't rushing towards Reagan. Uh, They're not happy with Carter. It is a stalemate at the moment. But televised debates come up, and Carter has a disadvantage. He doesn't realise he has a disadvantage. Because what he doesn't know is that someone had stolen a notebook full of briefing notes from the Carter administration and given it to the Reagan team in advance. Yeah. So Reagan was able to prep knowing exactly what Carter's talking points were going to be. Uh, We do not know who handed over the book, but it is suspected, shall we say, that it perhaps might possibly have been Ted Kennedy. Uh, frustrated Ooh. that his attempts to be president had failed, but I should mention we don't know that for certain. But th- that's no. that's the word on the on the on the street. I think it was the rabbit. <laughs> it was probably the rabbit. Didn't let me on <laughs> your boat, damn it. Um, yeah, <laughs> screw you. Or maybe the rabbit did a big splash and swiped the booklet from Carter's pocket as mm. and then swam away. He was probably sent there by Reagan. Uh, yes. yes. Oh, it's all coming to light. Uh, anyway, the debates do not go well for Carter. I mean, he's got the disadvantage anyway, but he also just does not perform as well as Reagan. He comes across as nervous. No. He comes across like someone who doesn't want to be there, whereas Reagan's coming across as confident. Uh, Carter's full of the detail. Reagan's just saying, we don't need detail. We just need confidence. And people <laughs> like that. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, uh, as always, those damn hostages dominating everything. But there's good news there. Good news. Words come through. Khomeini has given the green light to his prime minister and the president of Iran. Uh, They are now allowed to negotiate. Ah. Yes. Carter and his team receive the proposals given from Iran. They look it through and their hearts sink. (laughs) This was doable. There's no reason why they wouldn't be able to release the hostages. But it wasn't simple. It was not going to be quick. They certainly were not going to be able to get it sorted before the election. This is very bad news for Carter. 
Trying to get ahead of the story, he goes to the public. Good news, he says. Progress is being made. The hostages are likely to be released soon. But not until after the election, he says quietly, whispering. (laughs) It's like cough. Uh, Carter... (laughs) Well, Carter hoped the good news would be a help. He can't hide this from the public, so he's going to try and dress it up as a good thing. Uh, But it doesn't work. He was seen by the public as too weak to sort it out. He was probably not even telling the truth, said many. He probably hasn't made any progress at all. He's probably just trying to make himself look good, pretending that he's making progress. Republicans leaned hard into this message, as you can imagine, and it was extremely unfortunate for Carter that uh, Election Day came up, and guess when Election Day was? Do you remember the date I gave you earlier? No. So I'm just going to tell you that the uh, hostages were taken on the 4th of November of the previous year. Oh, okay. Guess when Election Day is this year. Was it around the November mark? It was early November, 4th, the 4th yeah. of November. Oh. One year oh. to oh. the day that the hostage crisis began is Election Day. Now that is some unfortunate timing. That is uncanny. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, the election takes place. Carter was utterly, utterly destroyed. Yeah. Yeah. Many, almost 40% of people, according to one poll, said that they voted for Reagan because he was not Carter. They didn't care about Reagan, they just didn't want Carter in charge anymore. So, Reagan gets 51% of the popular vote. That doesn't sound too bad, does it? For Carter. Uh, Carter only gets 41%. There was actually a third candidate that did fairly well, uh, that I've not covered. Uh, So that's 10% difference in the popular vote. That's large, but uh, it's nothing compared to the Electoral College, because uh, Reagan gets 489 seats to Carter's 49. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not only this, the Republicans get the Senate. The House stays Democratic, but the number of Conservative Democrats increase, meaning that the now mostly right-wing GOP would actually have support in the House from those Democrats over many issues. So it is absolute disaster for the Democrats this election. Yeah. Yeah. And bear in mind, this is just a few short years after the Watergate scandal had ripped apart the Republicans. That's a hell of a rally. (laughs) Yeah. And then, believe it or not, things get worse for Carter. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Because obviously you lose the election, you're still president. Yeah. Uh, After 10 weeks of negotiations with Iran, hard work, sleepless nights going on, uh, Carter's team secure the release of the hostages at 6.30 in the morning of Reagan's inauguration. So, just in time. Carter's still president, just. A slither of a consolation prize. Carter's going to be able to get the hostages released as the last thing as president. Feeling that it was his duty, Carter rang Reagan to inform him, uh, but uh, Reagan didn't bother even coming to the phone, just had a message passed to him. (laughs) Uh, After passing the message uh, on to the upcoming president, Carter hung up, and then when someone asked what Reagan had said, Carter grimly joked that Reagan had said, what hostages? Oh. Yeah. 
Oh. At some point during the morning, Reagan called back and assured Carter, okay, I've received the message. Apologies, I didn't come to the phone. It's been a very busy day, but don't worry. Secret's safe with me. Obviously, until the hostages are safe, we won't say anything. Thank you for letting me know. Uh, And then they prepare for the day's events. Uh, News came through that the hostages are safe on a plane, but come on, it's gone 6.30 now. Why haven't they been released? Any news on the hostages being released? Any news at all? Fine, I'll put my my tuxedo on or whatever he was wearing. I'll put, I'll put my suit on for the inauguration, <laughs> but when, when are these hostages being released? Uh, eventually word comes through, um, no, those hostages aren't moving. They're on the plane, they're on the runway, but they're mm. not moving. And eventually Carter realises what's happening here. Iran are making a statement. They were not going to give Carter any credit whatsoever. As the day wore on, it became more and more obvious that Carter was right in this assumption. It was a tense drive to the inauguration. Carter and Reagan barely talked to each other. At 12.35, Reagan becomes the President of the United States of America. At 12.38, Iran (laughs) released the hostages. (laughs) Carter obviously is no longer President. And that is where we end as ever, at the end of the presidency. However, I do br- need to briefly say that the post-presidential life of Carter is the most extensive in American history. He's still alive, mm. Jamie. Um, and he yeah. does a lot. Uh, in mm. 1982, he founded the Carter Presidential Center, which is devoted to issues relating to democracy and human rights. He works with organizations that work worldwide to provide housing for underprivileged people. Uh, this, by the way, is why mm. you see him building houses with hammers a lot. Um, He's been a freelance ambassador many times, helping soothe tensions between countries in the Middle East uh, and with North Korea. He is generally accepted in the imagination of the populace of America as being the perfect ex-president. He has gone on and done a lot of good things. Um, And due to this, he is now remembered very positively by a lot of people in America. It's Carter. Good old Carter. Um, But... That is not how he was seen when he left left his presidency, and uh, that is what we are judging him on. So are you ready to rate him? (laughs) If I'm honest, I don't think I am. (laughs) Well, let's do it. Okay, good. What good, as a statesman, did Carter do? Well, at the time, he was pretty much seen as an absolute disaster. (laughs) Well... Yeah, yeah, but perhaps this is unfair. Many historians have said we have uh, been too harsh in the past on Carter. Uh, so let's let's actually look at some good that he did here. He did attempt, with to be fair, some success to bring peace to the Middle East by talking with Israel and Egypt. I mean, yeah. as we know, ultimately there was still conflict there. Uh, but you cannot deny that from the start of his presidency to the end of his presidency. It was more peaceful in the Middle East. Well, at least in terms of Israel. Well, Israel and yeah. Egypt got on better. Let's say, let's put it that way. It's progress. Um, there was the handshake. Yeah, he's, he's working yeah, on he's it. Yeah, he's working on it. That is a positive. Uh, something I've really not talked about uh, in the episode just for time reasons, but the work with Russia continues. There was still a de-escalation of uh, nuclear arms going on. Uh, so that's a positive. Hard to give him credit like we gave the Nixon administration uh, credit, though, because he's 
continuing that work, really. He worked hard at pushing human rights. Uh, this is very easy to just gloss over of, as a, oh, he talked about human rights and he wanted America to look better. Uh, but actually, this leads to some lasting progress in the world. Many initiatives over the next couple of decades in America and therefore across the world are impacted because he really pushes the idea of human rights. It kind of becomes enshrined in American politics for a while. We shouldn't just dismiss that because we didn't see an immediate impact. Uh, it was about the long game with him. And as you mentioned halfway through the episode, we need more politicians yeah. to be looking at the long game. Uh, so, yeah, which leads me to his energy program. Although not great for helping people immediately struggling, I mean, it was a tough time, it was a very sensible long-term look at the problem and contained some of the very first attempts by a government in the entire world to tackle things like climate change. This was actually a good set of proposals, and it got ripped apart, so it wasn't as good yeah. as it could have been, but it was sensible, it was good, and it wasn't done for political gain, it was done because it was a sensible thing to do for the long term. Yeah. So, credit there. This idea that the climate change is a very modern thing that people have started talking about only recently is not true. Uh, being talked about for 50 years in politics, yeah. if not longer. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So that's a good thing. Uh, generally, over his time as president, just like when he was governor, he passed significant legislation on keeping the environment clean. Uh, it's just not very interesting to weave into the narrative, so I've not really talked about it. But just know that a lot of environmental stuff is going through. Uh, he... He makes an impact on the country. Uh, he uh, he gave Panama Canal back. That's good. Yeah. 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 Uh, so that's all good. However, <laughs> as we saw, many considered him an absolute failure as a president. A lot of it is bad luck. Uh, as covered many times, when you live in a capitalist society, boom and bust happens. And the person in the White House at the time largely has little to do with it. That's not to say they don't have an impact. Obviously, they do. But you can't really blame Carter for the economy and the energy crisis that he struggled with. He inherited them. You can't say he was the cause of them. That said, mm. you can argue he could have done more to aid those suffering. His brand of fiscal conservatism was definitely a bone of contention with many in the country. So you could criticise him for that. Carter's competency in the hostage crisis is often talked about, obviously. Uh, he didn't do enough to get the hostages released, is the criticism. He was unwilling to compromise, just like he was with Congress. This meant that Americans stayed suffering just because Carter wasn't good enough at dealing with the, the situation. However, interestingly, <laughs> literally a couple of months ago, in March of 2023, a man named Ben Barnes came forward and said he was working with a man named John Connolly during the election we just covered. Connolly had travelled to the Middle East with Ben Barnes, working for Ronald Reagan. And Barnes witnessed Con Connolly asking leaders in Jordan, Syria, Lebanon, Saudi Arabia and Egypt about the hostage situation. Wherever he went, apparently, he asked for a message to be passed to Iran. And the message was... And I quote, don't release the hostages before the election. Mr. Reagan will win and give you a better deal. Now, Barnes said that he felt he had to get the story straight as Carter is obviously now near the end. Uh, he said yeah. that he'd only told four other people throughout the entire previous 40 years. All four of those people have backed up the story saying, yes, he did tell us all those years ago. It would appear that he's telling the truth. 
obviously some people dispute this. But what I would say is, can we really blame Carter for being ineffective in releasing the hostages when he is being undermined by people in his own country? Yeah. It's not a good look. So, anyway, that's good and bad for statesmanship. What do you think? Well, um, this gets, like you've said it literally since the beginning, that it's going to get more tricky Mm -hmm. as we head into the future. (laughs) Yeah. And it is. Mm-hmm. It, it. I think there, there's a bit of a revisionism going on with Carter because he is yeah. such a nice guy and post-presidency yeah. he has done yeah. so much. I think a lot of people really, really want him to have actually been a really good president and misunderstood. Mm. Yeah. But I'll be honest, I'm not seeing it. Uh, I think he got unlucky. Mm. I think that he had good intentions, and I think he did do some Mm. good stuff. So I'm not marking him really low, but I also can't go really high. He did just let people stew in the energy crisis. He dithered. uh, He didn't make quick decisions. He should not have let the uh, Shah of Iran into the United States. No. Because that is what triggered the invasion of the embassy, which triggered the hostage crisis, which triggered all of the problems. Uh, That was just a moment of weakness uh, on Carter's behalf. And also, uh, there's a lot to be said for the fact that he was not beholden to party bosses. He was his own man. But he did not work well with his own party. No. or And if you're looking for a statesman... almost tried not to. Yeah, if you're looking for a statesman, you want someone who's able to bring people together in politics. Uh, How well did he do that? Um, I think it's a very mixed bag. I'm going straight down the middle with a five. I might go to a four. Fair enough. That is nine for statesmanship. Carter has managed to enter the public consciousness as a man with no faults or scandals. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like I say, he's, he's now seen as the, the, the sweetheart of ex-presidents. He is the pinnacle of being a president what is no more. Yeah. He, he's the old president that puts up buildings yeah, exactly. with a hammer. How true is this, though? Or is this just a myth? Well, in fact, I'd say one of his most famous stories, if you would to ask someone who doesn't know much about presidents but knows a little bit, if you asked, what do you know about Carter, they would probably say he put his peanut farm up uh, into a blind trust so there would be no whiff of scandal. This yeah. is a famous story. You'll be pleased to know it's kind of true. Uh, he did, but don't forget, yeah. the peanut farm is not really a peanut farm. It's actually two big businesses by that point that was making millions of dollars. I'm not going to go into all the detail. It's not as squeaky clean as you might first think, but generally, it's fine. Yeah, it was a good thing that he did that. And as we will cover with future presidents, compared to them, he did a good job there. So that that's nice. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but that's not to say there's no scandal around Jimmy, because Jimmy has a brother, Jamie, a brother who I have not mentioned at all, because I could not figure out a way of getting him into the narrative sensibly. We are not going to spend a long time on Billy, but just know Billy was a thorn in Jimmy's side. So Billy was a a, a card, shall we say, a character. Uh, he drank a lot. Yeah. Uh, he liked being in front of a camera. Uh, he liked voicing his opinions. He was generally seen as a bit of an embarrassment for the president. Uh, And then, in the late 70s, 
when Jimmy was president, Billy visited Libya. We're talking Gaddafi here. Uh, he visits Libya several times and ends up registering as a foreign agent of the Libyan government. Now, nothing illegal about that, brother to the president doing it. It's dodgy, but it's nothing illegal about that. However, long story short, let's just say Billy seemed like he was getting a lot more money than he should have been. Strongly suspected that, in fact, up to millions of dollars were being secretly paid to Billy, leading to something known as (laughs) Billygate. Because obviously Watergate has happened now, so now everyone is calling things gate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this got to the point where Jimmy had to publicly come out and say about his brother, and I'll just quote him here, I am deeply concerned that Billy has received funds from Libya and that he may be under obligation to Libya. These facts will govern my relationship with Billy as long as I am president. Billy has no influence on US policy or actions concerning Libya in the past and will have no influence in the future. So he has to completely distance himself from Billy. But the accusations fly thick and fast. It's not a good look. Uh, But is it enough to pick up some points? And is these one of these things that's just going to be targeted by any opposition? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. I would. The the Republicans Republicans went for it. (laughs) Um, What we need to be mindful here. I think, is that this kind of thing is going to pop up in Scandalgate a lot from now on. And how much do we pay uh, credence to, you have a family member who has talked to a government. Do we give points to the president for that? Will we end up giving points to Biden for, let's face it, Hunter Biden is not squeaky clean. Will we end up giving Trump points for, let's face it, all of his family? (laughs) It's <laughs> yeah. We need a dividing line. Are we looking here at just it, the president? Does it affect politics? Yeah. Are we? Yeah. Does it affect the politics? And are we looking just the president or the family? Uh, as far as I'm concerned, here I could see no evidence to suggest that what Billy did had an impact on Jimmy's decisions. So I'm willing to say no points here. I like that. Did it have an impact on the politics? But are we are we judging the politics of the president? Well, if it has an impact on the politics, that means the president's personal character is flawed because he has let his family member have an influence. I think it scans. I think it stands, but I think it's going to get really tricky. Oh, it is. Oh. <laughs> it's so tricky. I knew from the start these last episodes were just going to be a minefield. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Let's say for now, yeah. it's not affected him. No. Because he distanced himself. He distanced himself, like, d- straight away. And that's a good yeah, thing. Yeah, he came out and he said, no, yeah. this is wrong, I distanced myself. I think for that reason, I think we can say no points for Billy Gates. Yeah, no points. Nilpois. Silver screen. Oh, I think he's going to struggle here, Jamie. I, I, yeah, no, because nothing really exciting happens. Sometimes life, really? I get to this round and off the top of my head, I can just go, dum 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 and write some things. This one, I'll be honest, yeah. I had to go back to my notes from last episode just to... Oh, dear. Yeah. Uh, so let, let's go through this. He was born and he grew up on his farm and he did very well at school. Uh, he hunted and he fished. Uh, he got into no trouble whatsoever at school. And then he joined the Navy Academy where he got into no trouble. Uh, <laughs> 
He did meet his future wife, remember? A friend of his sister. You could definitely get a little bit of drama out of that because his family yeah. connection. I, you could definitely do a little bit there. I think I think an episode of him coming back from the Academy and meeting Rosalind. And yeah, so a little bit. Uh, he graduated after doing very well. They get married. He goes around with the Navy uh, and he hated it, remember? He was um, posted all over the place, including Hawaii. He just tours off China. Uh, he was almost killed whilst on a submarine. There you go. He's got to get points for that. He was almost swept to sea during a, so- a storm. Well, that'll be an exciting five yeah, minutes. I'll be, I'll, yeah, it's at least worth a point. Come on. As his ribs smacked against that gun and he managed to hold on for dear life, I'd like to think he was thinking, well, at least I'll get a point for this. <laughs> so it's, it's worth it at the <laughs> yeah, end. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then... Uh, his father died, and he moved home to look after the family business. He networked until he got interested in politics. He ran as an outsider, and he got a seat in Congress. He ran as an outsider and got the governorship job. He then ran as an outsider yeah. and got the presidency. It was all very dump-dump-dum. It fell in his lap. Uh, then once presidents, things slowly fall apart. He's not able to get to grips with the economy, the energy crisis, uh, dealing with the Soviets invading Afghanistan. Um, Iraq invading Iran, the hostage situation, yeah. all sorts is going on, and he never really seems to get a grip on it. Uh, the election was no. close uh, to begin with, so you could get some drama out of that. Oh, oh what are we talking yeah. about? The, the hostage situation, Jamie. There's no way. Yeah, that's nothing to do with. That's not him, though. That's just it'd be a really tense hostage situation with occasionally. No, no, you could get. That's bad. You could get a really interesting series out of the hostage situation and the election and Reagan and Carter playing off each other. I genuinely think you could get something really good out of that. Yeah, but it's all based around other people. No, no, Carter. Like the Reagan and Carters. That's Reagan's. Carter's episode, integral to that. His he is integral to that. Remember Carter. Yeah, but it's all about Reagan. Carter let the shower in. I'm, I'm giving him points for that. I think that's good. Are you? Yes, really? yes, I am, Jamie. I'm judging well, you, you right you now. You can judge me. I don't care. Um, he's he's not getting loads, but he's getting points for that. Anyway, right. he then defeats massively to Reagan. He defeats. That's not the way you say that sentence, uh, but I'm right. sticking with it. You know what I mean. Uh, and then he <laughs> um, he dedicated his life to helping the homeless and pushing human rights, and he helped environmental issues and all of that good stuff. But let's face it, it doesn't make for good drama. It makes for a no. good little epilogue in a drama, yes. if the rest was really exciting. Uh, I'm going to give him three. Three? Yeah. Two for the hostage situation, and one for being swept off a submarine. I'm going to give him two, because I don't think it's about him. <laughs> but I'm standing with that. That's fine. It's not all about you, Carter. You <laughs> <laughs> uh, hammer down. Oh, that's sad. I'm very sorry for Carter. Okay, right. Well, there we go. No, he seems like a relatively nice person, but yeah. Okay, right. Canvas ability. Canvas ability. Okay, here he is. Very reminiscent of old presidents. Very dark, moody background. Yeah, we've gone back to the red. Uh, he's got a slight. It's almost like someone's asked him to smile, and that's the best he could do. Yeah. <laughs> he looks yeah. worn out, doesn't he? Um, yeah. Yeah, he's sort of grasping his hand in a slightly awkward way. It's it. He looks awkward. It's not relaxed. No, he looks like he's like needs to stand up. Yeah, 
Like even some... his hands. He's got really alien hands. Yeah, it's all, like it's it, all really. clawed. He's almost doing the eagle claw motion with his, uh, <gasps> with his hands. That's what it is. Yeah, that's what it is. That's what it is. Um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's there. He's got a 70s hairdo. He's yep. got his tie. Got a tie. He's got a star on his chair. I would have said it's a very average painting. It's nothing that inspires me, but I'm going to have to knock a point off for the fact that he does not look relaxed. He does not look happy in this position. He looks stressed. Yeah, it's like he needs to go and build something. Yeah. It's weird. I'm glad he had a good post-presidency. I'd hate to think that this was it, and then he just had a heart attack immediately afterwards. Yeah, so I'm going to give him a four. Yeah, I'm going to give him a four. Uh, okay, total of two. Bonus. Bonus. Uh, he did one turn. And no one tried to kill him. And uh, he gets one point for election because he won, but it was not a landslide. So how's he done, Jamie? He's got a grand total of 18. 18. He'd be disappointed. Yeah, but... but... probably not surprised. No. No. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah that's about right. But then, then we get a question, and I think there is a serious question to ask here. American or American? As president, no. How many times have you said, why don't politicians just try and do good? Every day. Well, this is why, Jamie. Because he tried to, like, do long-term plans and it backfires on him because he doesn't get immediate results. He obviously cares. Yeah. Maybe we should be giving him credit for that. Uh, He he is, I would say... uh, Definitely, without hesitation, I'd say he is in the top five of the nicest people we have covered. He might oh, absolutely might even be number two behind Hayes. Um, yeah, but is that enough to say he's American? I mean, what did he do? Like, would you tell someone about him? Well, we wouldn't need to. Is like go on, you know, just he's, he can go meet him. He's still around. The thing is, if he died in 1985, absolutely not. Yeah. The only reason, I hate to say it, the only reason why people have such a soft spot for him is because he's lived for so long, and that is amazing, and he's used that time brilliantly, but we don't consider that time. No. We never have done, and we can't bend the rules and say, but he had a great post-presidency, because we always cut it off at the end of the presidency. So we need to discount that. And if you discount that, what's he got? Uh, I I don't think much. I I don't Mm. think he... No. Sorry. It's a shame. I feel really bad about this one. Uh, yeah, me too. I feel guilty. Yeah, because we've given American to, quite frankly, some shocking people. Yeah. Uh, but they're interesting. They're yeah. Well, I'm really sorry, Carter. And he's the first person who's still alive, Jamie. What I if know. he's listening to this? Well, well, just think, you have to send them a letter now saying, sorry, <laughs> oh. you didn't quite reach American. Oh, I feel really bad, Jamie. I know. Okay. Well, you know what? I'm not even going to say one way or the other. I think no. I think we all know. We all know. We There's all a collective know. knowledge here. Yeah, uh, but we don't need to rob it in by saying it out loud, do we? No. No. no, no. Okay, then. Well, there we go. That is Carter. <laughs> um, and we have... Oh, we have a big one, Jamie. Because do you know what happens in the next president that we cover? Reagan, he meets Thatcher. We are born, Jamie. <gasps> Hang on. Was I born? Uh, yeah, yeah, he was uh, he was president till eighty nine. So yeah, we we were both born, Jamie. Wow. So not next episode, uh, but in the next person we're doing, mm. at some point, Reagan's gonna stop 
look out the window yeah. and go, oh, was that Rob being born? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And two years later, what's that noise? Oh, it's a... <laughs> put it back (laughs) yeah so yeah well there you go so that's exciting and also reagan is one of the big ones that i've always been looking forward to doing because he's such a big name uh i'll be fascinated learning more about him he's he's gonna be a good one to cover i think so thank you frustrated i imagine oh uh yeah well i've decided already going in i'm almost certain he's going to be a three episoder really you're breaking the barrier already I, I think, yeah, rather than getting stressed... to be, though. Rather than yeah. getting stressed and then trying to work... I'm just going to go from the get-go. I'm guessing Reagan is going to be a three... So Because, I mean, he was an actor and all sorts. So there's all sorts going to go on in yeah, his life. And then, yeah. But anyway, this is for future times. Well, that is instantly a ten-point for Silver Screen, then, surely. I mean, he's like, going to... Instantly, he's been in a film. He's going to struggle not to score At high. Yeah. And mm. then there's going to be all sorts of stuff that gets me very frustrated, but... Oh, it's going to be so hard to do modern politics, Jamie. It's right. I need to find myself an unbiased hat. That's my job this weekend, to go and buy one. Right, okay. (laughs) Thank you very much for listening, everyone. Thank you for downloading us on Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever it is you download us. Thank you very much. Yes, and um, all that needs to be said is... Goodbye. Goodbye. So we're we're just not we're not going to do it. We we can't we can't read this. This speech is awful. I I, th- I think we can if if we just look at this speech. It, we 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 can polish it up, sir. Have a look. I've I've amended the, the the second paragraph. Have a have a quick read. It's no it's no good, Rosalind. She's right. The the people don't want to hear this anymore. No, nope. they don't want to hear the the detail. They don't want to hear the negativity. Come on, come on, people. Come on, ideas. What can we do to make this better? Okay. What about uh, how about a muppet? They're popular now. They're they're very famous on television. A mop? What? It's like a puppet thing on your hand that somebody shouts. It. Children will like it. You're suggesting that I address the energy crisis facing our nation using a muppet? Yes. Jim Henson's very on board, sir. He's a massive fan. Right, Chad. You know when I said no idea is a bad idea. Yes. In fact, you know how I've written that on the board up there? Just go and cross that out for me, would you? Oh, oh, uh, okay, sir. Right, okay, anyway, ideas, ideas. How do we, how do we make this, uh, how do we spin it? How do we make this positive? Uh, try harder. That could be our statement. We need to try harder. It doesn't sound good, though, does it? It sounds like we're accusing them of being lazy. Yes, but they are poor. Uh, I mean, um, spend less. Uh, people like spending money. That sounds awful. We can't say that. You don't um, need food, you need God. I mean, it would play in some areas, but I don't think it's going to cover the whole country. Um, uh, I, do we just lie? No, we can't we, lie. No, we can't no, lie. We're, we're trans- truth, look, at the, look at the glass doors, sir. We are transparent. Transparent. Okay, right. Uh, look, I, I just go out and I say, look, this is hard. This is tricky. Uh, we're all facing challenges, but um, I, I can't do the war thing again, can I? It didn't go down well last time. Um, How about we will yes. release the hostages? Because the Americans love the hostages. They, they're desperate Chad, for you to Chad, say... Chad, yes. if we could release the hostages, I would have released the bloody hostages. Yes, but that's the aim. We, we will release the hos- 
hostage. Why are you looking at me like Chair, that? Chair, you see sir? on the board when I said, speak your mind? Yes. Just cross that one out as well. Oh, okay. And just write up there, do not mention the hostage. I'm up, I've had it up to here with the hostages. Okay, okay. They're gone. Rule, rule, number, rule number one now is do not mention the hostages. Have you got that? Okay, I've got it. Um, okay. Free toy with every meal? Chad. Yes. Come on, you've got to give me something here. There's, there's just nothing. How, how, do I, how do I say that we are without saying we're <gasps> Big cheese, sir. What? Yes, sir. Cheese that's big. What are you talking about? Well, if you read that book I got for your birthday that you hadn't mentioned yet to them, all the earlier presidents used to hand out big cheeses as a, as a, as a massive gift to the nation. And they loved it. Everyone loved it. Not really applicable in this moment. Yes, but just imagine the sight, sir, opening the... Chad, Chad, do you have, do you have a big cheese? Not yet, but I, I, I've got a friend called Tony. Can we make it, a big cheese in the energy crisis? Uh, my cousin has a cow. I'm sure we can milk You the, know what, uh, Chad, Chad, we're just going with whatever option three was. I don't care anymore. I've given up. Just, just pull it off the board. Whatever's written up there, we're doing that, okay? Option three, sir. Yes, I don't care. I don't care. We're doing option three. Are you sure? Yes, and I'm going for a nap. Okay. The following is a official announcement from the White House. Hi, boys and girls. My name's Mr. Deflating Economy, and I'm going to tell you why your mommy and daddy are really sad and why you've not had any food for a fortnight. It's because the country is officially A long, long time ago in the Middle East, there was a country called Syria. And in that country, they made lots of cheese, but no 